0: Welcome to Detox with Allison. Oh shit, we're recording. You are the best podcast naming person. (laughs) This is the show where we sit down with comedians and other funny people, make them take their vitamins and ask them about their life or whatever else we get into. Let's hope Charlie got it right this time. Detox is produced and sponsored by Big Laugh Comedy. Big Laugh Comedy is changing the world one comedy experience at a time. Big Laugh Comedy is the first ever company that provides you with a complete comedy experience, from live shows throughout Texas in Austin, San Antonio, San Marcos, and Fort Worth, to comedy news and everything in between. If you're looking to laugh your ass off with some of the best comedians in the world, or you want to know what your favorite comedian is up to, you need to visit Big Laugh Comedy at blcomedy.com. Get exclusive content and first dibs on tickets by becoming a VIP for free. Go to blcomedy.com VIP list. Detox with Allison is also sponsored by MSW Vitamin Lounge and MSW Nutrition. MSW Vitamin Lounge is located in Austin and it's the best place to get your vitamin IVs, shots, and health consults. It's also where we record the episodes, so that's pretty cool. If you can't make it to Austin, MSW Nutrition puts the best nutrients possible into their supplements to bring a little bit of the lounge to wherever you are. The boost drinks we're always sipping on on this show are just one of their awesome and effective products. Trust me, I use a ton of them. Go to MSWNutrition.com and use the code DETOX, that's D-E-T-A-L-K-S, to save 15% on all your supplementation needs from MSW Nutrition. And if you're in Austin, I hope to see you at the Vitamin Lounge. Let's hope Charlie got it right this time. What's up? (laughs) We're hanging out with Jen Fulweiler today. This is Detox with Allison. How are we doing?
1: I am doing great. And I have to compliment you on your podcast name. That is so... You are the best podcast naming person. You need to charge for this. It's it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Hire me for your brand consulting. $500 for one brand name.
1: Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. (laughs) I can't
0: wait Uh, before. Okay. I'm awkwardly sitting here with this sweatshirt on, but I want people to look at your shirt first because this is why I brought my ridiculous sweater.
1: I believe in dressing to impress. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring only the finest attire. (laughs) To the detox podcast.
0: I had someone try to roast me last night asking if I have a live, laugh, love tattoo underneath my cross on my back yet. Nice. And And I was like, that's the one I'm going to get. Right. So (laughs) it's Skeletor from
1: He-Man, from the iconic He-Man series in different poses. And it says live, laugh, love. And there is perhaps nothing more in life that is more on brand for
0: me. Yeah, that's the perfect... When you when I you posted it on your Instagram stories that you got it, I was like Jen has it's, peaked on I her see, online right, shopping. Right. This is yeah. She's done.
1: If it weren't for the law, I would make this my <laughs> merch. I would I would get I would hire a graphic designer to redo this. And just sell it as my merch. As your merch, I feel like it it should really belong to me.
0: Yeah, that's yours. You've claimed it now. I've claimed it. It's yeah. Nice. Then we have a, a. This is my ridiculous sweater. It's too hot because we're in Texas, but um, you you guys can decipher this. This is a secret message. It took me a full 60 seconds to get it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it up to you. Maybe I'll do a Christmas episode and wear this, but I'm yes. sweating just in my t-shirt, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jen, uh, what's it like to be a super famous uh, touring comedian? It's just
1: that you know the fans, the fan. You know what? What's crazy about it, Allison, is that at my level of fame, <laughs> fans are so intimidated by me that they're afraid to come up to me. So, like, if you see me walk down the street here in our hometown of Austin, Texas. You might erroneously think that I'm not famous yeah. because people aren't mobbing me. Right? It's it's that they're so intimidated. They're by so they scared. can't even look
0: at me. Yeah, they
1: can't even look at me. Or actually so intimidated by the enormity of my fame. So it actually yeah. is pretty
0: lonely at the top. It is. It, it, it's very lonely. Yeah,
1: yeah. The fans they ignore me everywhere. It's You're just
0: like I'm sad. just a Skeletor yeah. that wants to live, laugh, right. love. Can I know. someone I'm please find to live, laugh,
1: love with you guys? Right. <laughs>
0: Okay, so this is a question I've asked a couple people on the show and I think it's a good way to start. How do we know each other and how well do we know each other?
1: Okay, the way you phrased that I thought you were seriously asking. yeah like, like yeah okay, your name is Allison yeah. and <laughs> let me tell you how to pronounce your last name cuz I've, I've spent a lot of time actually trying to figure this out. Um we okay, oh, oh, that's a good story. Yeah. I just realized that's a really good story. It's a great story. So I when I got into stand-up comedy. It was a very sudden thing. And I was all in from day one. And I came from the talk radio world. And I, I went down to a mic and there was only one other woman in the whole room, <laughs> staff, comedians, patrons, and she looked nice. She looked like the kind of person who might have a live, laugh, love <laughs> skeletor tattoo, even. And and so we began speaking. The first person I spoke to in this world, what in I mean in, in not the comedy in the, world, not, yeah, not like Planet Earth, but yeah, in the <laughs> comedy world, was Allison, and we've been friends and business partners as she was on my tour. I mean, it was, it's just so crazy that you'd think it would have taken a few shots to it's, find <laughs> the person who I would become so close with, but no, just straight out of the gate, yeah. first person I said a word to.
0: It's insane. Well, what was funny because from my perspective, when that happened, like I was only maybe like a month or two into stand up myself, and I just remember. I remember, like, when I went into it, I was so much like you. Like, how does it work? How do I do it? Like, so, like, you know, I wasn't spreadsheety. y <laughs> Oh, I'm but so spreadsheet Jen has a lot of spreadsheets lot. about comedy. <laughs> a lot. But I was, like, I literally creeped at open mics for, like, two months to just, like, understand how they work and, like, what the heck. And so when I saw you, I was, like, oh, my God, it's a female comedian I haven't met. Because, like, all the female comedians were just never at mics. They were always on shows or just not going to mics. And I wanted to meet them so bad. And then I saw you show up with a notepad. And I was like, my people. I was like, oh my God, there's one. And so, like, then we met and you're like, oh, this is my first one. And then I was like, let me teach you how open (laughs) mics work.
1: Oh, I thought you were like a five year veteran. Of the industry, One I, yeah. Month in. I just assume you have that confident vibe. I was like, I shall sit at her feet and learn this art. Yeah.
0: Well, then we were just talking, and like I had been finishing up some work on my computer, and you're like, Oh, what do you do for work? And I was like, Ah, social media. And you go, Oh, I like Instagram. Let's add each other. And then I'm like, Who is this bitch telling me she likes Instagram with thirty thousand followers? Of course she likes Instagram. Makes it more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was like, wow, no, I don't want to show her what clients I was working on now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a thing or two yeah. about
1: social media. It's yeah. a bit of a hobby. yeah.
0: You know, I'm just on there all the time. It's <laughs> fine. Just, yeah. There's some hours of the day that I'm not on Instagram stories. There, I quit my know. radio job to make Instagram sketches, but you know. <laughs>
1: Literally, that's actually true. I had a national daily talk radio show and I quit. <laughs> no, but what I did know is better than that. I quit it uh, in in... May of twenty twenty, pandemic May. Yeah, pandemic I, May. I, to do comedy touring. I was like, that's gonna be the move in twenty twenty. Right. To do because that's where the money is in twenty twenty comedy touring. Yeah. That's what that was my big move in twenty twenty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we only had three weeks and then COVID was gonna be done. That's right. And that's so. right, and,
1: that, and I was one of those people. I was like, this is not gonna, I'll yeah. be I'll be on tour in September 2020. So uh, you guys can all come to me for advice. If anyone needs (laughs) life advice, predictions about how things will go in the future, listen to the person who said she'd be doing a big blow it out comedy tour in fall of 2020.
0: She crushed it. Crushed Uh, it. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. I did some amazing shows in front of my bathroom mirror. Um, You know, the crowd was pretty drunk, but it was, uh, it was good. It was great shows.
0: Oh my God. Um, Jen, I, uh, I just think, I think your story is so cool. Like, anytime I try to describe you to people, like, especially now that, like, you know, comedy is, like, open again in Austin and, re- like, everyone is coming back. Like, the local scene is back now and all the people that have moved here. It's, like, a, a lot of my friends know who you are through me or they've met you by now. So, like, it's funny when people ask me about you because, I'm I, I, like, I mentioned to someone yesterday, like, well, yeah, she's Catholic. And, like, the, and they were, like, what? Like, they they had... <laughs> no idea. <laughs> None. And I was like, yeah, I'm that's kind of Pope like
1: proud that like nobody would guess. I'm... Nobody would guess.
0: <laughs> I'm like, that's kind of her origin story. Yeah. Like for like being My like villain origin. story. <laughs> that's like her. That's yeah, that's her. Yeah. Her anti-hero <laughs> right. origin story yeah. on the internet, at least like your internet stardom. Right. You know, back in the early 2000s. So yeah. like, can you just like walk us through like, I know it's like a crazy story, but like, like what got you up to the point where you had a blog that suddenly took off and yeah. just kind of walk us through like all of that.
1: Yeah. We'll keep it to give you an idea of how, how long of a story it is. I, I, she has three books. I was, well, I was going to say I have not just books. I have three memoirs. <laughs> One of them is a, literally, it is a memoir about writing a memoir. Who does that? <laughs> Who writes a memoir about <laughs> writing a memoir? Uh, One beautiful dream available wherever fine books are sold. A memoir about writing a memoir. Okay, so first of all, we should also say I have six kids because usually yes. that's that totally changes the paradigm. Like, that people helps with the like, Catholicism wow, to an
0: argument re-imagine. too.
1: Reimagine, right? I'm, I I perpetuate all stereotypes about Catholic, like the drinking and cursing and having too many kids, and like that's 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 us. I'm I'm really working hard to perpetuate that stereotype. All right, here is the story in a nutshell. Um... It is, there are two threads here comedy and religion. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I actually did humor writing. Way back in the day, early days of the internet, as soon as I figured out how to upload a website, I was like, "I need to be talking smack on this internet." <laughs> well, like, I you need to, code. I so need you... to do right. Yeah, I was a programmer, and yeah. so I was like, "Let me use my programming skills <laughs> to troll." To troll, literally, I was like, "That I love this, like, because I've just been trolling people like here locally, <laughs> and now like I control this entire internet thing. This is amazing." And I had stuff that went viral. And this is early internet. I would get millions of views per month in like early internet. I don't think there were millions of people on the yeah. internet. I mean, it was like 100% of the internet was looking at my stuff. So that was comedy. You
0: like broke servers and stuff, I did, right? I, yes.
1: Yeah, I either. <laughs> so I had servers shut down. One reason was traffic load. And then the other was copyright infringement. I still have the cease and desist letter from Mattel Corporation's law firm. They... <laughs> we uh, we have a different idea about what parody is i did something involving a magic eight ball and they their their law firm was just very aggressive with me and they got my whole website shut down
0: wow so uh,
1: so anyway so i did humor uh, and then i just got i had kids and i just got kind of busy and so then meanwhile i had been raised atheist i was born and raised atheist never once considered that god might exist through and through atheist i started out at texas a m university and and I and I was I would argue with these Christians all the so time. So
0: funny to me that you went to A Yeah,
1: and and I won. By the way, like I I won with it, these Christians. <laughs> and it, like and it was, it was really the blind leading the blind because I would be like, oh yeah, if there's a loving God, why would He allow suffering? And these Christians who'd never you know they'd never read Aquinas, like they don't know. They were like, no one has ever asked that question before. Yeah, they're like nobody has ever asked that question. Look at this, look at this visionary, this genius. She's like shaking our faith. So I transferred to UT to get around some atheists. It, that mm-hmm. were I was like, this is amazing. But yeah, I'm atheists here, I love it. And so I graduated, and then, um, and then so I got married and I had kids. Still, ne- never went not for one moment in my whole life did I ever think that God might exist. And then after I had my first kid, it just sort of shocked me to think about things differently. It incentivized me to be more intellectually honest. About what I really believed, and thinking through my strict atheist materialist worldview, because I thought if I'm going to pass this down to someone else, you know, I want to make sure I'm right. Pretty sure about it? Yeah. Yeah. That led me to ask a bunch of questions, and just like I did in comedy, I started reading and researching and doing spreadsheets because that's that's what you do. <laughs> She's um, very much a
0: Capricorn for yes. those of you interested. Yeah, yeah.
1: January twelfth. <laughs> yes. And uh, and then my husband, meanwhile, also he's a really smart guy. He went to Yale and Columbia and Stanford. Like and grew up poor. Like
0: yeah, your t- husband also has an insane story. Insane. Both of you guys are just like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: he's so yeah. Like and he studied in the master's computer science program while he was at Stanford. Like I- insane. No big deal. Um. So he so he was sort of a lukewarm. He believed in God. He vaguely vaguely considered himself a Christian, but like he
0: wasn't church going. He didn't. It didn't pray, prevent didn't him from getting married to someone who disagreed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And we got married. Here in Austin, Texas, at One World Theater, and I, I wore a dark purple dress, and my whole thing was I would not borrow from Judeo-Christian traditions, (laughs) and but so I, I, and I was so mouthy about this, like we, I will not, we're not going to have anything religious, but so we wrote our own vows, but we didn't rehearse it. Joe had, like, he had a friend there from Ghana. I mean, like, he had people. Joe knows everyone. He had people from all over the world at this wedding. Uh, our ceremony was only seven minutes because I did not rehearse it, and I'm standing there in my dark purple dress with these vows. I got very busy planning the after party yeah which it 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 ended up lasting until noon the next day, so that was worth it okay but, but <laughs> Made up for the we bows. literally had people passing out on Congress avenue like with the bums. <laughs> um so it was it was it was a good use of time, but I didn't focus on the vows, and we ended up um. it was a seven minute ceremony and and my Texan yeah my my Texan relatives were like where's the bride you know because I I was wearing purple and it was ridiculous oh my gosh so I started asking questions about God uh, after my kid was born and I just did a bunch of reading and research and then Joe and I both became Catholic and and, but and then meanwhile I had stopped doing funny things because I thought you had to be boring if you believe in God and I just like got that in my head and, and then it was sort of after a few years of that, I was like, wait, well, my background is humor writing. Like, yeah. why did I ever stop being funny? So I started doing tours and events and talks that people were calling stand-up comedy because I was, I was being funny. I was using humor. Um, and then I realized, like, I would like to actually respect this art, the art of stand-up comedy. People yeah. say I'm doing it, but I know I'm not really doing it. I've never studied this. And that's when you and I met when yeah. I said, you know what? I love stand-up comedy enough and I respect it enough to not accept the label of she does stand-up comedy without re- like getting in front of some crowds who don't know me. Well, we'll see if I do stand-up comedy, if I can go down to at the time like the Velve in Cap City and yeah. like make those people laugh. So, that is that's how that's how the Catholicism
0: yeah, humor
1: thing all came together.
0: Yeah, and going back to like the the time period from when you went from purple dress at wedding to <laughs> First Communion at a Catholic yeah, church. Like, I feel like I remember you telling me, too, that you—the um, way that you, like, kind of started questioning things on the internet and, like, using your website. You weren't trying to drive traffic or anything to yeah. your blog. You just made a blog so you could comment on other ones that were religious and, like, ask them questions yeah. and learn stuff. Right. And I found that really interesting because— you know, you hear today like most of the time you hear the opposite of like I yeah. grew up Catholic and ah screw that yeah. now you know and it's like but I like I appreciate that because after meeting you and then meeting a lot of your friends like there's actually just as many people who are converting to Catholicism like it's right. a it's a very growing religion and and so I appreciated that for you like you went into it in. Being yourself, being very inquisitive, wanting to know all the facts. How do I feel about it? And then coming like these people were able to provide you with enough answers that you were like, "Holy crap! I'm willing to change my worldview for this." Like yeah. that's something a lot of people can't do.
1: Yeah. Well, there and and it's funny. There's almost like a there's a, a known almost circuit of going atheist to Catholic, especially among. People who are like in the higher education world, there was this woman, Leah Labresco. She was at the time the one of the one of the top, top atheist bloggers. And I remember so when we went to a reunion of Joe's at Yale, she wanted to meet up and talk. Mm. And I liked her. but I was like, I'm busy. And like, I don't I don't know what she wants to talk to me about. The next week, she announced she was converting to Catholicism. The other guy, who before her, like probably five or six years before her, was the biggest atheist blogger in like two thousand two, two thousand three. He also converted to Catholicism. Wow! So there, there's kind of a known,
0: yeah, like we're we're
1: a little squad. The atheist to Catholic converts, we're we're
0: kind of a little. A That's little squad. so interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a known path.
0: Yeah. yeah, I just, I I really do like respect that though, because uh, Reed, who was the first guest that we had on here. He and I got talking a lot about just like a lot of the drama that we see in the world, especially today, whether it's COVID, whether it's local comedy drama, whether it's politics, what whatever it is, like there's it feels like everything is so uh, yeah. But it, like the problem is because so many people are tied to their opinions and their beliefs yeah. and they like identify with those. And a religious one is such an identifier for people. So like right did you like have those like weird nights where you were just like, who am I? What the heck is going on? Like, am I actually considering this? Was that like a big shake for you? Oh, so much so
1: that when I, for the first time I ever bought a Bible, cause we didn't have Bibles in yeah. my house growing up. We never had a Bible. Why yeah. would we have a Bible? Um, So I was, I mean, this was like mid, I, I had kids or at least I had my one kid at, at this point. And when I first bought a Bible at Barnes and Noble in Westlake and Austin, I loudly asked for a gift receipt because it was so mortifying to me to be... I really felt like... It's like if you've always played for one football team and yeah. you have your big rival team and how gross it would feel to put on the other team's <laughs> jersey. Because keep in mind, I did not have good experiences yeah. with Christians. I was an only child. I moved around a lot as a kid. And unfortunately, I, we, we managed to hit all the parts of the country with like hypocrite Christians. Yeah. And so I, I actually actively disliked Christians. Right. And so when I bought a Bible it it was very identity shaking for me and that's why that that first blog you mentioned I started I did not use my first and last name. I mm. was just Jennifer F because I did not want it was mortifying to me. Mortifying yeah. that I was associating with Christians.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's something so interesting and like it's honestly something that I really appreciate about you is like I I mean, personally, I grew up, I think I'm one of like the lucky ones that grew up in a really loving Christian situation. Not only like was my household great, but like my, my church was great too, oh, that's wonderful. you know? Cause like, there's so many times where like the household is great and you know, maybe the house, the family has this belief, but then you go to church and it's like, oh, well like maybe we disagree with these things, but that's okay. Like we're just going to keep, and it's like, I just felt perfectly aligned with everything when I, when I would go to church, like everyone was nice, but I've definitely run into people since then that, like, kind of exhibit those, like... Hypocritical Christians. And like, I just appreciate with you so much that, like, you're real and authentic, but you're also true to like your beliefs and, but you're not an asshole about them. You what? know, like, if I were better at
1: being fake, that, you know, I might have considered it, probably could have gotten <laughs> some better speaking engagements, you know, like, been a keynote more often. I'm just bad at being fake. Like, I kind of tried that for a while in the blog world, like acting like I had it all together. Hyper motivational. And it was such an obvious lie. <laughs> that I was like you know what I just have to be real because I don't have another option here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's quite impressive that you have six kids and uh and still are able to do comedy. Like I see people leaving comments like that for you all the time, yeah. but like another thing that I really appreciate about you is like you are very vocal about how moms don't take enough care of themselves most yes. of the time, both in the fact of just self-care, like alone time or you know literally like pampering yourself or just not even pampering, but like making sure to eat and sleep enough, you know? But also on the side of like how literally for most of humanity, we had tribes that would all help raise the kids. And now the mom is, or the dad, whoever the stay at home parent is, if you get to have one is like expected to do all of it. Right. You know,
1: you know, people talk about, someone asked me a while back, like what is at the end of the day, like you're on your deathbed, you're, you're reviewing your, especially from a career perspective And if you were to just be thrilled with the impact you had, like you left one mark on the world and you're just thrilled with that legacy, what would it be? And I know what my answer is. If I do one thing with my comedy career and just any aspect of my public presence, if I just get a few more women to understand that you were not meant to raise kids alone. Mm. And that the pain you feel is not because you're screwing up. It's not because you're a bad mom. It's not because you're not trying hard enough. It is because you are living in a very unnatural situation. You weren't meant to do this alone. And if I can just get a few more women to get that and give themselves a break and get the time they need, even if it means letting Netflix be your babysitter, then I feel like my whole career has been worth
0: it. Yeah. And that's super important. And like something that I've heard people like in the alternative health space kind of talk about a little bit, like it's, you know, like the tribe mentality and get your tribe. And, you know, maybe like, it's kind of a weird thing with the entrepreneurs in town right now where they're like all buying like the same houses on one cul-de-sac. So it's like four or five families that are all friends and then you can like help each other out with whatever. But like someone who is living in Round Rock, Texas, like in a situation very similar to the one I grew up in, like my mom was never told that, yeah. you know, like, the, and you're reaching so many people that are in suburbs that like do think that they're going crazy because, you know, their friends all have kids and look like they have it all together. And in reality, we probably don't like no one does. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: the angst among modern moms cannot be overstated. And, and also just the, uh, another thing that comes with doing it alone, like you mentioned, and I talk about this all the time, that you would get your your mores your understanding of how to do how do you how do you get babies to sleep at night what do you do when your kid is acting crazy what do you do for discipline i mean do you do you spank do you not spank those decisions were just handed to our ancestors it's just yeah. it's the way our community does things maybe sometimes they were even crappy decisions but yeah. they were handed to them by their ancestors and so you just didn't constantly have to reinvent the wheel and second guess everything you're doing and so moms not only don't have that day-to-day support of having a, you know, your kids can just run around outside with the tribe unsupervised, but you have to rethink every single decision you ever make. And modern moms are, they're miserable in a lot of ways, but because they can't articulate what is going on with them, they think, I'm not appreciative enough of motherhood. I, you know, this is my fault. I am, I'm a bad mom. I'm not checked in enough. And I just want to scream, no, you're not doing anything wrong. It is your circumstances. It's not you.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that comes back to just the thing that we say here all the time at MSW Lounge, by the way, is where we're hanging. We're not getting IVs today. We yeah, might, need yeah, to get, I like, I might need to get into that a minute. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, we always say that is like, you know, it's the thing of you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. Like, you know, I, both of us are workaholics. Totally- we're both Capricorn, like insane people <sighs> who do too much stuff. Yeah. But like that's the thing that we owe even if we're texting each other at 3 a.m. And
1: we do it like pretty regularly. I'll text <laughs> Allison 2:15 a.m. and I see the dot dot. The dot, dot <laughs>
0: immediately. Right. And I'm just like, dang it. Uh yeah. yeah. I'm still awake. Uh-huh. Who, who thought? Who thought I was gonna go to bed? Right. Um, but then we'll both sleep in until noon the next right. day. You know, right, like right. <laughs> we figure out how to shift it, right? Yep. Like it's it's uh, it's important. You can't you can't take care of someone else if you're at the end of your rope. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people they they they've heard that, but then they feel self indulgent when they try to put it into practice. Because a mom might say, "Yes, it would be nice for me to get some some time to myself, but how would I do that? I, we're broke. Like I I yeah. can't afford a babysitter. So I guess I just have to grind it out, make it work. And what I would say is like if you have to put your kids in front of Netflix, put them in front of Netflix. Yeah. Like maybe that, okay, it's not, it's not ideal. It's not how any of us would plan our lives to let your toddlers watch three hours of Netflix because <laughs> you needed to just scroll Instagram and stare at a wall for that time. <laughs> but is you got to look at the cost benefit ratio. Like you being depressed and miserable all the time also comes it's, at a cost. The and kids like, are going to
0: notice yeah, that Yeah, right, too. right. And
1: let me tell you, I have like, I, I, I use screens, pretty heavily in my house. And my my kids are old enough now that we're starting to see the fruits of the experiment. And they're doing all right. Like I, we have been, we are a lab. We at my house, the Fulweiler house is a test lab for how much can you actually let kids sit in front of screens before their brains actually melt. (laughs) And my two oldest, they go to a college prep school, yeah. all A's like on a roll. They're crushing it. So, hey, like, all those people who try to scare you about screens like you've got like <laughs> you've
0: got, like experiment. every personality type in your group of kids, yeah. too. They're all oh, like yeah. it, uh, I just remember uh, my mom and I went over to your house one time for dinner before we went on tour and uh, and my mom like disappeared for twenty mm-hmm. minutes, and we were like, "Where did Patty go?" Like, yeah. she's just amongst the kids oh, upstairs so on the swing. You have a swing upstairs, yeah. And like the <laughs> yeah, my mom's like pushing the kids on the swing. St- yeah, so <laughs> I'm crazy, <like>, Patty. <laughs> I, I know, and and that's another thing that I
1: and, and for people listening to who maybe they don't have kids but they're thinking about having kids, especially for women. So many women, especially in comedy, think well. That's it. When I have kids, I have to roll it up, yeah. because the society will tell you that your kids are, they're, they're a burden. It's like something on your to-do list. You'll never have time to work on your comedy or whatever, but you should see your family as your squad, as your gang, as your tribe. Like I bring my kids in. Let me just tell you, if you can make your own tween and teen children laugh, you are actually a funny person. (laughs) Like that is the toughest audience you will ever perform for. And, and so, and honestly, it really has helped me with my material that I'll go through stuff and my kids are like, mom, 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 <laughs> that's not funny. But then I'll hit something and they'll be like, okay, oh. that's actually really funny. And what's interesting is the clubs bear that out. When, yeah. when my kids say something is funny, it tends to kill in the clubs.
0: Yeah. Well, that was actually something I want to get into like your processes a little bit. Cause I mean, I, I don't think people realize we met in 2019 18. 18, sorry, yeah. 2018. And then a year and a half later was when we went on tour. One because, year. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I guess, no,
1: you're right. It wasn't a It was a year was and a half because yeah. it yeah. was in
0: the fall yeah. and we met in the spring. But, like, yeah. it was, it's crazy because, like, you had just started comedy and then you had an hour of tourable material in a year and a half, which is insane for any comedian. But also, like, I was a,
1: on the radio two hours a day. But you were on the, weekend. yeah, and yeah. so you're
0: working on that. But did you feel like, I know we talked about it like a little bit because I know the radio show in itself was its own prep and, you know, execution and it took a lot of time every day. But like, did you find that having to be so fast at producing that type of material helped you with comedy?
1: Yeah, radio taught me a lot about the creative process and just ship and just just get it out there, try something. And, and the other thing is I had been doing humor in talks. So whenever I did a talk, it would be, how can I make this funny? And yeah. so I had, I had some experience with, with performing comedy, but but so what I had to do is I did hit this wall when I realized I wanted to tour. And what's interesting, what there are two major god things that I, I'm totally convinced was a god thing. One was meeting you, because actually I, I want to go on this tangent for a second. That my tour would not have worked without you. I need to brag on you for a second. So I needed. I needed, like, five staff members, <laughs> and I could afford none of them. Because what people have to understand, I booked this tour with my own personal She self-produced it, yeah. yeah I, I I literally called, like, my friend Hallie Lord and I called, like, we would call a theater in Columbus, Ohio, and be like, Hey, uh, we, we have a credit theater? card. Uh, I, have, I have a credit card. Do you, <laughs> oh, dates? Uh, yeah, I don't know when, it, like, do you have anything in... <laughs> October, I don't know. And then they'd come back to us like, where's your rider? I had to Google what What's is a rider. rider. They'd the be day like, that you where's... found out about a rider right. killed me. I was like, Jen. <laughs> well, and then we had to get event insurance. That's a whole thing. And then like, uh, so I am licensed to sell liquor in Rockville, Maryland. Oh yeah. Because I had, had to get to a liquor license to have. And like, we have a guy with a card table who I hired through my liquor license. It was so, just p- pulled together with duct tape and, and bubble gum. And so, and I would show up and do sound check. I'd be, go to cities I'd never been to, yeah. a theater I'd never been to, do sound check, light check, everything. So, I needed an opener or a host, or I don't even know the terms. And and so, I needed someone who could do really good comedy, warm up the crowd, but then who could also, like, if I'm like, uh, can you do sound check? Because I've, these light guys are killing me, like they're going to overlight me again. And so, Allison could do everything. And again, she was the first person I spoke to. When I went to a mic, that tour, I couldn't have done it. If I needed someone who could do comedy, but who could also be like my my right-hand woman to get all the business stuff done as well, yeah. it, it would not have worked without you. It was such a godsend. And then the second is that I should have taken in, – in theory, people would say, well, you can't come up with an hour of material in less than a year when yeah. you're first starting – something told me people were like just start your tour in summer 2020 that's what everyone told me they said do summer 2020 so i had you can call it a premonition a god thing whatever i was like i can't explain it but i have to start in fall 2019 and i was obsessed and you saw how obsessed i was i would not listen to people were like you're killing yourself you're working too hard i was like i can't explain it but this tour has to start in fall 2019 and by the way it ended Two weeks before lockdown. Well, two weeks before lockdown lockdown because
0: we were in New York City at the end of January Mm -hmm. and I just remember meeting up with my friend Kelsey Fritz in the Bowery. We met met up at some bar down there. Yeah,
1: January 2020.
0: End of January 2020. And I remember walking back to the subway with her afterwards and we saw a group of people in masks. Yeah. And she was like, she made a comment like, I just don't understand why everyone's freaking out. If it's in New York, we all already have it. And I'm just like, Kelsey Fritz, you fucked us up. Kelsey (laughs) Fritz, I'm going to make this (laughs) clip go on my Instagram. You called it and you also are the reason there's COVID in New York City. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, you know. She just hadn't
1: made that comment. You
0: know, know, um, (laughs) but no, I just, it was so wild because we did that stop and then I had a trip with my mom, like a couple, well, lockdown started in New York two weeks later. Right. I think, and then yeah, the South right. took that's longer. That's right. It
1: was hitting New Yeah. The South did, took longer
0: because we, we had St. Louis and Columbus, Louis and Columbus in February. Yep. And then I had I had a trip the first week of of March to L. A. And then uh, Arizona. I met my mom in Arizona for her birthday trip, and we had this awesome epic trip where I brought her to the Grand Canyon, Sedona, all that shit. And we get on the plane. It's a Thursday night in the Phoenix International Airport. We're the only ones on the bus dropping off our rental car. We're the only ones going through security. Yep. And then there was like barely anyone on our plane. And we were like, what the fuck? Is- this is a Thursday night in the one of the biggest airports. And we get home and we had been watching the news that morning. And my mom was like, this is this is weird. This could get bad. And I was like, everyone sucks. Everyone's a- Yeah. Everyone's- It'll be fine to give like, it a couple of weeks. Everyone's a pussy. You know, like, <laughs> no, don't- you don't know what you're talking about. And then- And then we get home, and that following Monday was when Austin shut down. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, Kelsey Fritz.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. What did you do?
0: And by the way, and to
1: circle back on I just don't want to lose this point because I think this could be helpful for anyone else. I know you'll have a lot of comedians listening to this who who have trouble because a lot of people are having trouble getting stage time right now. So because I had that premonition or whatever you want to call it, that I had to tour in fall of 2019... And I had to get material quickly. Yeah. And I knew, you know, having six kids, we homeschooled at the time too. And I had a two-hour daily talk radio show. I I couldn't be beholden to these clubs to give me stage time. Also, right. I was a nobody I, in comedy. They'd never heard of me, so they weren't going to give me stage time. So I, I would do the mics. I'd get five minutes here and there. But uh, so I started doing what we called garage comedy. That's what I wanted you to talk yeah. about. So I would gather neighbors my kids and and it's hardest comedy performances i've ever done you think you're bold you think you're fearless in comedy try gathering your friends and neighbors in your garage and children and and i would and i would fill out a form with my set list i print out forms with my set list and i would have them all make notes and and i told them i said if you are tempted to be polite to me I want you to consider that if there is a joke that is not working and you don't tell me, I will find out the hard way when I'm up on stage <laughs> in front of a bunch of people staring at me and not laughing. So if you care about me at all, be mean. you will be honest. Of Yeah, you know, I, I didn't say be mean, but like you have to tell me if it's not working. So yeah. I would I would roll through my set and it wasn't like a formal performance. I would just sort of read it. And then when people said, there are two things that were so helpful. When when the consensus was like, yeah, that one's not. And they'd find nice ways to say it. Like, right. we're not connecting with it. Meaning, like, that joke sucked. Like, it was so terrible. <laughs> I would say, we'd have this conversation where I'd say, okay, but that seems funny to me. Like, yeah. I, I'm laughing as I read that. So can you tell me, wh- why isn't that funny to you? And as they articulated it, it would be like, oh, I just didn't set it up. Okay, set what if I gave properly. you the backstory that the reason I have that opinion is blah, blah, blah. And they'd yeah. be like, okay, that's actually hilarious. Yeah. And so it really helped me dig down on jokes that like should have worked. We, we've all had that where there's a joke, you think it's so funny. Yeah. And then it just bombs at the club. They would help me tease that out. The other thing I found is certainly people you know, they will tend to be kind of polite, but, and, and this is a tip for any comic, if you can gather two or more people that you know and video this if you can, but if not, just watch their reactions. When you read through their material, if they spontaneously react, like not a "oh, ha, huh, hey, friend, that's funny," but spontaneously, you're reading through, and however, you know, both of them or most of them at the same time go, huh, you know, just let out a little chuckle. Right. That will work in the clubs. Yeah. And, and and I always look for that. Like if I were to read through comedy with you right now, right, I would be watching your face. To see when you do an just uncontrolled, <laughs> spontaneous... Right. Because yeah. people won't be falling off their chairs laughing when you're just doing a dry read. Right. But when you get that instantaneous, unrehearsed reaction, that will work in the clubs.
0: Yeah. When you told me that you were doing that, I was like, that's so genius. Yeah. Like, it, it, it,
1: yeah. It, and you would be surprised at who in your life gives you good comedy feedback. There were people like some neighbors who... Let's say, you know, they're sporty type people. They're not analytical like I am. I thought... Well, that'll be fun to have them here. That'll be nice, but they're not comedy people. They're, right. you know, but they would give me brilliant insights of if you went a little further on this subject and came at it from this angle, that could be really funny. Yeah. Some of my hottest jokes were little, or or like one of my kids came up with a tag to add that it gets it's like one of the biggest laughs in my set. Yeah. And so don't think that just because someone you know isn't a big comedy fan or they're young or they're old or whatever, don't think they can't give you good feedback because if you will just shut your mouth, stop explaining and just right. listen, you'll be shocked at what what great feedback you'll
0: get from people you know. I appreciate you saying that because, you know, it's it's. I always joke that my dad is my ghost writer. He's yeah. never actually, like, written any of my jokes, but he'll just—he got, like, so excited when I started doing comedy yeah. and, like— He always, like, anytime something ridiculous happens or he has an idea, he's literally emailed me jokes that he's written (laughs) before, just like, I thought you might find this funny. And, like, the more I, like, talk to him about it, some of the jokes that I'm working on now or I have done before, I just bantered with him about it. And... We forget, like, when we're doing comedy. I Honestly, I would call it the comedy ghetto. Like, you got yeah. your Catholic yeah, yeah. ghetto. We, we all have
1: ghettos, all of us. It's
0: like the comedy ghetto. You're hanging out with comedians all the time or people who are with comedians all the time, so they all talk the same. Yep. We, we all are used to each other's bullshit quite honestly like it's it's harder like we know how to make each other laugh right but then we forget that the crowds are not used to hanging out with comedians all the time and the bar for making an audience laugh is honestly a lot lower than you think and we and that's not to say audiences are dumb it's just they're it's just that they're they aren't constantly being bombarded with jokes
1: and they're not being analytical and they're not being analytical yeah they're not
0: overthinking it and so you say something funny and comedians like what Why did that get a laugh? Like, that was dumb or whatever. It's like, does it matter?
1: Does it matter? It got
0: them to laugh, you know? Yep. And so it's like sometimes talking to people who aren't constantly going to clubs every night or constantly on podcasts or whatever, you're like, actually, you're my target demo anyway. Right, Exactly. You're, like I want right. to know what the fans think is funny, you know. Right. And so it's... yeah,
1: if you're and if you're going to make money at this, if you're going to have a real career where you can get fans out, you can get booked at clubs, do theater tours, whatever. Like get real people from. Yeah. The, the, I drive a minivan. Get the minivan drivers <laughs> out. You do have to start asking your aunt, who you don't perceive is a big comedy fan and is funny, your yeah. next door neighbor, the lady at the post office, like whatever. You have to get out. Of your little bubble of friends it, and it's it's great to know your tribe to know to know the community you come from to you know to know who you're trying to make laugh. but if you want to to actually have a real career, a lasting career where you can be a touring comic and and have an income from it, you do have to know how to make people outside of your bubble laugh yeah and and, and this is shockingly I, i'm never I never cease to be shocked by how painful this is. You have to ask them for their honest feedback, right and just Listen, because I always want to explain. Like, well, I I know you said that joke doesn't work, but the but I was going for you know. Right. But when I just be quiet and say, okay, I'm receiving that feedback. You know, thank you, and don't defend, because I I learned this in writing with with all all the memoirs I've written. You know, whenever I would get feedback from an editor the first time I looked at it, I was always like, well, this is sad. This is sad that he doesn't know writing or that she doesn't <laughs> know writing. Like, cause this, cause this is genius. This is like, I mean, Shakespeare would be intimidated by this chapter and she's giving me this, like, screw, screw that, like this, screw, screw all this feedback. I'm setting it on fire. And then I'd sleep on it. And the next day I'd be like, oh yeah, she's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, that. <laughs> actually, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's really good. And so I brought that to comedy that I, have to wait 24 hours to defend myself mm. it, because that, because whenever you're getting feedback, you always want to be defensive. Like, well, no, well, well, I mean, but what I was going for, and if you will just not say anything and let them give you the feedback. And then if you want to follow up and, and explore it more, wait 24 hours right. to defend yourself. It life changing.
0: That's really good advice because yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about literally yesterday I was freaking out about work stuff and like, and it was like minor feedback that yeah. I got on a contract I yeah, sent to yeah. someone and I'm like bitching out. Alex, I'm like, what is it? I don't, I can't. Uh-huh. Hear. And uh-huh. then I was like, oh my god, this is literally like minor wording conflicts on a contract that I wrote, and I'm getting butt hurt because they yeah. don't think my legal terms are correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, like, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> the
1: accuracy of my opinions rises as time passes, and I've learned that if I render an opinion, is this feedback valid? Is this person being a jerk? You know, whatever. Uh, pretty inaccurate, my first reaction. <laughs> but if I sleep on it the next day, I'm like. Okay, I guess that was actually a reasonable. Yeah, okay, yeah, actually <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I get it now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god. So uh, when we went on tour, we had some uh, some crazy stories yes. pop um, up. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't think I don't think the internet understands this woman is legitimately a rock star in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> Dude, I'm
1: so famous in Sioux Falls. <laughs> like I, I walk down the street. I mean, shout out to Sioux Falls. You know anyone we love listening? Shout out. I, mean, I know we're going to get a vacation home there. We yeah, are. Allison and I. It'll well, be we our were. Home.
0: What were we talking about? We were. There's like that place up in the in North Dakota that's like in oh, the in the yeah, hills some, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I. No cell it. service. Yeah, that's right. And we're actually we actually need to go right. out there at some point. That'll be write. our comedy writing cabin. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Com- we're gonna have a comedy mm-hmm. compound. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I love Sioux like straight up. I when I was visiting there for the first time on your tour, I was texting Alex and being like, "We need to come back here. Yeah, this is a beautiful town."
1: And to understand for the listeners how beautiful I find Sioux Falls to be, so when I started this tour, the big question was what's what's the first city because that would be the city that I would have to sell the quickest. And I just I needed a good start to the tour so that I didn't commit seppuku if the first <laughs> event was a disaster. Because I had never done a comedy tour. I did not know if my people, if my fans would show up to a comedy tour. I I really thought it, it's possible I could sell like 10 tickets. Oh to yeah, each event. Jen this had possible.
0: Jen had never posted any of her comedy on the internet. Oh yeah, when that's she the other sold yeah, these yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, because it, I, because I because I had to use all my good stuff for the tour. I had never this was the funniest thing. I'd never proven to my fans that I could actually do stand up. I yeah. just told them I could. I was like, I feel like this is pretty good. You guys should <laughs> <laughs> like, do that.
0: She's like, this is my new hobby. Can you Come I buy did tickets that? to it. Right,
1: right. <laughs> I cannot. And so, so Sioux Falls was the first stop. I only had four weeks between when the theater was available. Yeah. And this, I'm telling you, I know not everyone believes in God. I get it. I was raised atheist. But I, one of the things, I, so I was there for a speaking engagement. And I was like, I think maybe this should be the first city, but that kind of doesn't make sense because it's re- normally you would do like a New York or yeah. big Miami, like big city where there's a big population base, can probably get more people out. And, and I was standing there. I, I toured the theater and I was standing in the hallway and it was empty, deserted. It was like 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. You know, right. this place is deserted. And, and I, sa- I said this prayer. I was like, God, if I meant to start this tour in Sioux Falls, I'm really going to need a sign right after I said that prayer random dude walks up to me and says, are you Jen Fullweiler? <laughs> and, and I said, yes. And he said, I've never seen you, but I recognize your voice from the radio. He didn't know what I look like. And of course, he's like, you're way taller than I expected. Oh my God. Yeah. Right after I said that prayer, asking for a sign. That's so cool. Yeah, And then, and so put it on sale, only had four weeks to sell it and sold it out very quickly. That
0: was one of the bigger, well, it's like 350, it was 350 right? Yeah.
1: And yeah, and... Uh, yeah. and So uh, I am so indebted to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, because it just started the tour off. Like, they were a really responsive crowd. I mean, you remember. They're so they they, they nice. were so great. Well, yeah. I was,
0: like, I mean, whenever whenever I go to a new city, but especially, like, that tour gave me the opportunity to, like, go to so many cities that I would not normally have, like. Yeah. Like, I probably. Sioux Falls wasn't in your travel plans. Well, I probably, <laughs> like, I definitely am one of those people that wants to hit all the states at some point. Yeah. So I probably would have ended up going to each of the cities at some point. But, like, getting to hit the yeah. 10 or 12 cities or whatever it was that I did with you, like, It was so cool. And I and I like to explore the city. So like I'm a dumbass. I literally was walking around St. Louis and I had an Uber pick me up somewhere and they were like I
1: remember that. They
0: were like, uh, why are you over here? Like I got in the Uber and the guy was like on the phone with his mom and he's like, Oh, it's a white girl, we good. And he and he hangs up the phone and I was like, Did your did your mom think I was gonna kill you? And he goes, Nah, she thought you were a catfish when your picture popped up on the request in this neighborhood.
1: Shut up. Are you yeah. serious? I've never heard that story. Yeah, yeah. I
0: was right by where we were performing too. It was like a so couple blocks past. some big like tattooed thug. But yeah, but you thought it was Allison. Like- yeah, yeah. Straight up. Like I literally, I walked it. It was so cold that weekend that we were there and I was just walking around town and like my hands were so cold. I needed some gloves like really bad and it was very windy. I like walked, I was staying by the university and I walked downtown to the theater we were playing at And then I saw a CVS a few blocks up. So I was like, okay, they've got to have gloves. I walk in there and the cashier's like, are you okay? (laughs) And I was like, it's just really cold. I need some gloves. And I got the gloves and uh, he was like, you might want to call a lift to go home. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it's really cold. I'm going to do that.
1: Well I re- I think that was the city where we went out to dinner and normally I'm like you I have no regard for my personal safety I'm crazy I just I get myself in over my head like normally I'm with you on that yeah. you know it's bad when even I we I we went out to dinner with someone and even I was like okay I've I've heard that this is a really like I think that we need to take you in an Uber yeah. back to your hotel and I mean if I am getting concerned about that was you walking when we were city, in Columbus, really, I think the, you're okay, like that, please, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 that's right, that yeah. was Columbus.
0: Yeah. Um, but going back to Sioux Falls, like I was walking around, they have this beautiful river through the town, and like I was walking along it, and uh, I ran into some ladies that like asked me to take their picture, or maybe I asked them, to, I don't know. Somehow I ended up talking to these people, and um, they're just like, "Oh, where are you visiting from?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm from Austin," and like, "Oh, why are you visiting?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm actually like doing, a, I'm doing a comedy show." And they were just like, oh, Jen Fulwiler. <laughs> that's Sioux Falls. I'm famous in Sioux Falls. I was like, oh, well, you'll see me on stage tonight, I guess. Good yeah. to meet you guys. Oh, yeah. I went to explore
1: downtown and people were stopping me for selfies just walking <laughs> around Sioux Falls downtown. Like, I love that city. It's I love so, it. It's fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. And that that's the thing. I think there's a, this great life metaphor that when, when you just jump into things yeah. and get in over your head, even if let's say the tour had, I'd lost money on the, you know, let's say the the shows hadn't sold out and I'd lost money or whatever. We still would have gotten to go to some pretty cool cities. And that could have been a cool purpose for it too. Like we met new, like how many new people did we meet? Like you're connected with the comedian Aaron Weber and like a bunch of other people that- Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, we've formed all these new connections and none of that would have happened without the tour. And so sometimes when you jump into something that is scary- you know, maybe maybe you won't get the financial outcome or the career outcome you wanted, but there will
0: be this whole other, like, cool, awesome benefit that yeah. comes from it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, I mean, you know, uh, are we allowed to talk about your your new agency? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Oh, I'm surprised. How have I not dropped have, that I know times? that's I know. I was, like, super famous UTA represented Jennifer Fulweiler. United Talent, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, well, we were just talking about that. Like, you were—congratulations again, by the way. Thank you. But, like— we were both so excited for you when you got that. But then, at the same time, it's like you learn so much about what it means to actually have an agent when you sign with someone like that. right you're you know, you were feeling that You were like, "Oh, I jumped in over my head again, but like, in yeah. a good way,
1: yeah, yeah. that and one of the things that I find i when I worked in tech, I found this in the publishing world. I found this and and I find it in comedy. it It's really there is a, a big difference between people who, as they would say in tech, are are B players. Like people who, they do a solid job. They punch the clock nine to five. Right. They're not going the extra mile. Uh, and then A players who mm-hmm. are like really, you know, you are an A player. And and that like, I mean, we just, I was like, I know how to spot him. That's an A player. <laughs> and and so I'm, I mean, I just, I, it's been a while since on a professional level, especially that I haven't written books recently that I've worked with A players. And signing with UTA they normally I am the one who has to follow up with people like, Hey, right. could we, you know, I, you did need to turn that thing around for me? Where are we on this? They are, they're the ones contacting me. They're texting right. me like, We need an answer on this. Are we doing this? And I'm like, Okay, this is next level. Like, yeah. these people are absolute pros. I mean, they, you know, they re- UTA. I mean, UTA comedy, they represent Jeff Foxworthy, Nate Bargatze, Burgett- the Gaffigan. I mean, yeah. that, Sarah Silverman. Sarah like, Silverman.
0: Na- I screamed. I mean, Eliza. like, name, yeah. name,
1: uh, yeah, Eliza, like, the Ali Wong. I mean, yeah. they and, and I get it. Like they, they play at the pro level and yeah. now suddenly like I, I am so busy. Like I cannot <laughs> even see straight. It's
0: insane. I love it though. Like it's, 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 uh, it's also as, as your friend and as someone who is in the same industry, like it's, it's cool to actually see what that process looks like and yeah. have you explain some of those things to me. Cause like you know, I think the, the idea of, like, an agent or a representative or something like that is always kind of intimidating to artists, especially just because the music industry is kind of really shitty to all of them. Yeah. And it's different in comedy. Like, it's not nearly as sleazy. It's not nearly as disrespected. <laughs> you know, like, it's a lot more, like, we're friends and we're yeah. all working together and actually all benefiting and all that stuff. But um, yeah. It's just a lot of things that you never even think about. Like when an agency signs, like what's actually expected of you and like, what do you expect from them? And how does that relationship right. work, and who covers what, you know, it's just a lot of logistics that like, I mean, no one's teaching people how to become a professional comedian, <laughs> right. you know?
1: And one thing that I I just cannot encourage, especially people getting started in the industry to remember is that agents they love connecting with people who are taking the art seriously and who are professional and who are willing to work hard and who are willing to to show up. And a lot of times, if let's say someone is in the same room with an agent. They think, oh, this person is, they are so far up here. I could never, oh, I hope I didn't just give them eye contact because I'm way down here and this person's way up here. And now, for example, I've had my same literary agent now for uh, years, like probably five or six years. And she and I are just buds. But when I first met her, I mean, she is not, she's not only an agent. She is the vice president and part owner of this very prestigious literary agency. And so it was like, I didn't, my hands would actually shake before I talked to her because yeah. was, she was just so like out of my league. And now we're like, we hang out when she comes to us. She's just, she's still my agent, but she's, she's a friend. Yeah. And now I see her from this human perspective of, you know, let's say you're a 25 a year old author trying to get your start and you're trying really hard. She'd love to meet you. She'd love to shake your head. It doesn't mean she can necessarily represent you right this minute, but don't be intimidated by gatekeepers, yeah. especially if you are willing to show up and do the work and be a pro about it. Honestly, they are honored to meet you. Even if they can't sign you right this minute, they would love to hear from you and they'd love to shake your hand and say hello.
0: Yeah, I, I that's awesome. I love that you said that because especially right now in comedy, like in Austin, there's so many like fam- legitimately famous comedians moving here. Yeah. And what's cool is like, I mean, I was hanging out at Creek in the Cave last night and all, like, I had been at Vulcan with Big Laugh. And then all of us were like, let's go hang at Creek. We show up. All the people that had been at the Creek show were there. All the people from the Sunset Strip were there. All the people from Big Laugh were there. We're all just hanging. I love it. And, you know, there's Red Bands there. He started Rogan's podcasts. Like, you know, there's, like, uh, Annie Letterman was out last night. Like, there's just all these people, like, coming and hanging. And it's, like, you don't, like, we're all just people. You can't, right. like, you know honestly, like, age has part part of to do with it, right? Like, the longer you're in something, the more you're probably gonna progress, and get right. better, and meet more people, but it's like, no one's in there trying to, like, be haughty, like, right, they're, right, they're just right. out there to hang, so and and I mean, maybe that's specific to comedy, but, like, and I'm by no means a gatekeeper, I, I book a local show, but, like, I always am so impressed and like actually happy when people hit me up to do my show because it actually makes my job a lot easier. Right, (laughs) right, right. right. You know, it's like it's the ones that are cool people, they legitimately have talent, they're clearly working hard, but then they also have the balls to just reach out to me and right. be like, I want to do a spot on your show. Hell yeah, you can do a spot on my show.
1: Yep, and and it's like we learn from the rap world, which is where I learn all of my wisdom. Um, you know, <laughs> Whether I learn from that or the Bible, I it's kind of neck and neck, actually. I was listening to rap on the um, way here yeah. in preparation
0: for this. You know,
1: they always say, like, real recognizes real, game recognizes game. It, it, one of the truest life lessons I have ever learned... And, you know, and, and I, I really, really felt this and saw this when I was trying to find comedians to work with for my tour, because I would say, hey, Allison and I are out here being pros and showing up. And I'd, I'd meet someone whose comedy was good. You know, they did a good set. Yeah. And then I would say, hey, text me. I'd love to. I, and I pay what I found. Fa- I found out just last week. I paid better than some major, massive national tours. Oh yeah, like, you paid I, very well. I paid oh, well. I was generous, my, and so th- that was a good gig. And I would say, like, hey, here's my number. Text me. I I loved it. You know, I paid I pay as well as I can, and you could travel and come to the show. And people just wouldn't respond, or yeah. they'd be super flaky. And so, if you are someone who is actually trying to do your best and be an A player, like a lot of these agents, a lot of the gatekeepers are. When you meet someone who's got that same fire in their eyes and they're like, I'm not going to show up to your event so high I can't speak. I'm not going to get drunk and, like, you know, be stumbling around and embarrassing you in front of your fans. Like, I am a pro. I will show up. I will do the job. I'm paid to do. I'll be where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there. I won't be late. Oh, any gatekeeper would be thrilled to hear from you and work with you. So just, just know how rare that is if you're that person who is actually showing up and being a pro.
0: Yeah, and also, like, the fact that you are, like, I love whenever we hang out in the comedy world and, like, you're meeting people that are like just starting out or you know they they haven't gotten to go on a tour yet or something but like they're clearly doing the work and you're like let me follow you on instagram let me yeah. get your phone number yeah, yeah. but like that's actually i'm glad that you mentioned uh people like you would ask for people's numbers or you would text them and then they just wouldn't respond because oh. like happens I, to me all the time well i definitely have i mean i had like this is a shout out to rebecca from creek in the cave like she, when we were getting our headshots done over there yep. she was talking to me and she was like hey like here's take my email shoot me an email tell me what what you're up to and I emailed her like it took me a few days to email her because I was like how do I even like you just said here's my email tell me what you're up to you so know I still so, haven't
1: emailed her I got her so, this was three weeks ago I still haven't emailed her because of that same question <laughs> well
0: so uh, well so I was like how do I even and so I messaged I emailed her and I was like hey Rebecca like you good to meet you thanks for the headshot spot like here's what I'm working on and then I literally signed off with like this felt very self-indulgent but it's what you asked for I hope you have a great day mm-hmm.
1: Nice. that's how you do it. But, I'll just
0: copy and paste that. Yeah, right. I'll just send yeah. her the same exact message. Right. right. <laughs> but like, you know, like that was one of those situations where like, this woman like knows her shit, shit when it right. comes to comedy. Like she has been doing it for a long time in New York. She's crushing Highly it. Highly respected. Crushing it here now yeah. in Austin. And I wasn't necessarily intimidated, but I was like, does she really actually want to hear what I'm right. working on? Like I'm right, just right. me in Austin doing this, whatever. And like, I've got some cool stuff going on, but I'm not like hyper famous or anything. And, and, uh, but I really, I really appreciated that about her too, that she was like, Hey, there's some comedians I'm not connected with yet. Like take my email, let's be further connected. And like, that's, that's a really pro move on your yeah, part. Yeah,
1: it, it really is. And I think, and it goes back to like, it's served, it's served me so well. And you see other people doing this, like be curious when you meet someone new, be, be curious about what they're up to. And, when you meet other comics, so often we have this us versus them mentality, like, oh, is this is this guy going to get stage time instead of me? You know, right. very that scarcity mentality, as right. they say. And to be curious, like, hey, how is this person's comedy? Maybe we could work together. Maybe yeah. we could partner together instead of saying, "Well, I'm definitely not going to follow them. They're on my turf. You know, they yeah. they went over time. They ran the light, or you know, to just say, let me respond with curiosity.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I appreciate friendships like yours. And uh, Destiny Lane is also yeah, like yeah, she's that. So great. She's a comedian as well, but I knew her first from like the marketing space, wow. but she's got the same mentality there. She was like, Hey, we're, we met cause we were in similar roles at the companies that were communicating with each other at the time. And, and we both kind of quit those jobs that we hated soon after we met. And like, instead of being like, Oh, we're kind of technically competition with each other. We just like, we created a, a shared spreadsheet of if she bought courses for digital marketing or if I bought nice. courses, we have all of our logins in there and we would just meet like, it was like rising tide raises all ships, you know? And, and, uh, Rocky, uh, who on the podcast we recorded a few days ago with him, he had made a good point too. like, there's a, there is always kind of an element of competition with some comedians that you meet, but it's also, I think more people are realizing now that like, maybe it's a little closer to acting than we realized where like Rocky's like, I know if I show up to a place and it is a black female comedian, like I, I'm a, I'm a, a straight white guy. I'm not competing for her right, for right. that spot. Like yeah. you know, he's like, if it's a white, if it's a straight white guy from the south who sounds like me and, and looks like <laughs> me, like, probably we're in we're in competition. But you know what? I'm still gonna be friends with you. Right, right, <laughs> Rocky. Sorry for the impression, but I, I honestly, <laughs> you do have an accent, but it's great. Um,
1: but and, but that yeah, and that and but the thing is, even if you are in the same space, it doesn't matter. Maybe you could do a tour together. Yeah, and because look, let me just tell you. The pressure of selling tickets, especially in a post-COVID world, I think this will last a few years. It is is the kind of thing that can cost you a lot of sleep. And so if you had that generous mentality of saying, this guy, this gal is, wow, they are really in my space. I mean, we are just really doing the same kind of comedy to say, you know what? Maybe we could tour together. And and then if our shows don't sell enough tickets, I can be like, I was really, did he get his fans out though? (laughs) So like you shoot yourself in the foot when when you reject people because you see them as competition, you, know, you could like Rel- partner with them and then blame things you on them. It's blame amazing. them later. Yeah, yeah that's. Right.
0: Low- <laughs> see, I was still going to be positive at the end by being like, "Well, you can combine <laughs> oh, your oh, fans." No. Oh no, I'm
1: in a very real space right now, Allison. I'm about to go back on tour, and I'm like, "Who could come with me that I could blame things on if we undersell these shows?" I'm like, you know, everyone who was there was my fan. I think that they just, you know, you they just, disappointed us. Yeah, like, you underdelivered you know, co-headliner. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Yikes! Yeah, no, I was, I was kind of hoping for like, oh no, we're just gonna combine, combine our all. fans. That's, yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this is where this is where I appreciate you too, because at some point there is like a level of salt underneath it. Right. So there's the troll. <laughs> You're like, I'm an optimist, and I want to, I want to cheerlead for all of you all day. But yeah. at the end of the day, if it comes back to bite me, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was, I
1: don't publicly do that. You know me, like with my, tro- I didn't. There were things. That happened on the tour that I could have blamed on other people and I didn't. And I, and by the way, I think that's a, that's sort of a life lesson that I've learned relatively recently that I wish I'd known sooner. Having that extreme accountability and not blame, even if it really was someone else's fault and saying, but this is on me, I'm, I'm in charge of my life. I'm in charge of how I react to things. And, and like with the tour, like this is my tour and yes, XYZ person Maybe I didn't read the writer at all and said right. they did, like lied to my face about reading the writer. Maybe right. that's something that could have happened. But but I would say, Well, that was on me because I should have double check that and I, i'm yeah. not going to go mouth off about this theater did that or like i'll just take accountability for it it brings you a lot of peace well just, yeah you know. well
0: i mean in all reality you joke about being like oh it's their fault you're never like that you oh <laughs> anytime you have ever hit me up and been freaking out you're like i'm such a mess i can't believe i committed to this and i can't believe i planned that and i can't believe and i'm just like jen like <laughs> slow down for half a second like these are you know like and that was that was like 30 minutes ago so, that I was
1: doing that. I mean, this is very recent we moment. Started the,
0: we started the podcast and I was like, are you sure you want to record today? Yeah, I'm wound, up. I'm wound but, up. But, you know, I appreciate that because, like, yeah, there are legitimate situations where you are justified in being angry with someone else because they very much did something. But at the end of the day, it does cause you way more energy than it's worth right. to be mad at them. Right. You know, you just you know i've learned a lot of that from you too and like it's just at the end of the day it's like what's the easiest solution to this it's for me to stop being mad and just figure out what the what how, what the fix is yep. you know it's me being mad is not going to help solve the situation the situation already exists it's not going to reverse it so like let's just drop the anger and like figure out the solution totally you one know? of my
1: husband's business school terms is they talk about having an internal locus of control. Mm. I, I, thought, I think that's a great phrase. Yeah. And it just means that your, your, your sense of control over what happens in your life is like, it starts with you. Like yeah. you are guiding this ship. And before I met my husband, I didn't, I had a very external locus of control. Mm. I saw that life as something that happens to you. I was always playing defense. I just reacted to whatever was thrown at me. Yeah. And I didn't see life in the events of my life as something that I really had much agency over and and And, I've shifted that largely, thanks to like him and his sort of the the ideas they have in business school. And that's and so when things go wrong, i I always try to bring the locus of control back within me, right? It, even if it's something like I wasn't even there. One hundred percent not my fault. I can control my reaction to it. Right. I can control trying to solve it. And, like you said, Allison, it just it makes you miserable when you spend time blaming other people because yeah. that's that's an external locus of control. Like I can't control. That this theater lied to me about the setup. Like I can sit there and stew over it, but it doesn't change the past. Right. It's not going to change anything. But when I bring the the locus of control back within me and say, "Okay, we are where we are. So what am I going to do about the situation?" It right. just
0: it's just more peaceful. You it's know? more it's, peaceful. It's stressful to blame and everyone empowering. All the time. Yeah, yeah, empowering. Like, yeah. and and this is totally an overgeneralization, but like I find it very interesting that before like, did that shift happen as you became more religious too? Because I, it's totally a generalization, but I see, it it feels to me, especially since COVID and all that stuff, like a lot of people who have strong faiths are like, why is God doing this? Or why is God allowing? And then that's put, that's an external locus of control too, where I've always kind of perceived it as like, I mean, I I still believe in God. I still, I'm Christian. Like I, all the, like, I have always still felt it as like, Yeah. Like God created this world, but then he also gave us the free will to do with it what we want. And, and that's where it comes back to you again. And it's like, you know, yeah, maybe this, this virus is doing some stuff, but like, what are you going to do about it? 100%.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up. I think this is a very interesting subject because I do see all the time. I see people using their faith as a form of self-sabotage. And I know they really do believe they believe in God. They have a lovely relationship with God but they are afraid to be the people they were meant to be. They're afraid yeah. to put themselves out there. And so, and I used to do this, I speak from experience. And so they'll say, well, it's all up to God, God's will. You know, maybe I feel moved to write a book. Maybe I feel moved to do stand-up comedy, but you know, I've been sitting here on my couch for three weeks And no comedy clubs have come knocking at my door. So it's not God's will. God didn't, God didn't, well, that's just self-sabotage. Like, obviously you have to be putting yourself out there and taking risks. And frankly, if you want to put it in religious terms, doing what God's calling you to do. If you think God is calling you to write a book, open up that laptop and start writing. Like like you said, we have free will. And so for me, um, the way that my faith has allowed me to have that internal locus of control and to have a lot of peace when things go wrong. And frankly, it's not my fault is I really do believe, and this is fundamental, not only to Christianity, but, but to a, a lot of the the big belief systems is that God brings good out yeah. of bad things like the crucifixion, very bad thing. Right. We should not have murdered God incarnate. That was a bad move, <laughs> but God brought in, in my theology, God brought the resurrection, a very yeah. good thing from that. And, and that's the whole thing with God is right. that he, it just, it, if something bad happens, it doesn't mean my theology anyway. It doesn't mean that God willed it. That He's like, yeah, COVID, great idea. I love it. Let's right. go with that. But that bad things happen because of free will. But God will bring good go out, of, out of them. Like my dad died on the tour. You were, That's I, one of I've the tried, crazy yeah. stories. I yeah. was, so it was, and it was sudden. He was, he. we'd just been texting. He was doing fine. We saw him every day. He took my kids. He was my free chauffeur. He took my kids to all of their activities, came over for wine and steaks once a week. And ju- I'd just been texting with him. And the night before my Atlanta show, he died. Like, yeah. internal bleeding issue, insane. And, and so, the last
0: message he sent to you. Oh,
1: that's right. I forgot we were talking about the Atlanta show. Last message he sent was, knock him dead, girl. And he sent that from the ER. From the ER. From, and I didn't know that. I thought yeah. that he was at home hanging out. And 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 my kids were, only some of my kids were at that show. So I, I couldn't tell anyone because I wanted to tell all the kids when they were together And but I told Allison like we went out after the show with my aunts and uncles and cousins, and they did not know that my dad was dead. Well, because but Allison because he passed away the
0: day before the show. Like that, it was two two o'clock in the morning, and then and then. We had like noon blowouts or something, right. which is very on brand. Yeah, yeah, blowout, yeah Absolutely, pre-show blowout. Absolutely. Jen got me on the the dry bar train for, for sure. For sure.
1: Um, By the way, and the person who did my hair, I we're super close on Instagram. Like yes. I love her. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 The the woman that we met at the Atlanta yeah. show because we showed up to this blow blow dry or the yeah. dr- blowout place, and uh, I walk in and you like definitely seemed off, but I was just like maybe she just didn't sleep a lot. Yeah. And like you weren't really saying anything, and then I sat down and you just kind of were like. So my dad died last night and I was like, oh good morning Jen. Yeah, good
1: morning. <laughs> what? How are, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> How that's do right. cuz I, with I this? almost called you in the middle of the night and then I was like there's I nothing wish you she had. can I was I thought about it. I was like well there's nothing she can do, you yeah. know, like there, you know um so um so so that's an example of like do I believe that God willed that to happen? No, absolutely not, but God has brought beautiful things from that like just the way people showed up at his funeral and I mean that many beautiful things came from it even though that obviously no one wishes it would happen but okay so to take it back to this is a tangent but to take it back to internal locus of control because I believe that God brings good out of bad situations it allows me that was key to me surviving that tour because a lot of things went wrong you heard the behind the scenes it's complicated and when things would go wrong especially when it wasn't my fault I could bring that internal locus of control back within me. Cause I would say, you know what? I don't need to fix fixate on that theater screwing me over. What's done is done. And I believe that God will bring good out of this situation, even though what happened to me was objectively wrong and unfair. Yeah. And that like, I, I just, I don't think I would have any peace in my life if it were not for that belief.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a beautiful belief. And, you know, even like you said, a lot of the ideologies have similar constructs. Like, Um, there's a lot of like Native American cultures that are like, you know, the, the good comes from the suffering, you know, even if they like do their plant ceremonies or whatever, it's like, we do these because then we can see like what needs to be cleansed and it awakens us to the next stuff or like, um, yeah. And, and from like, just like a, a meta perspective of just like how the universe works, the theory is always God is good. Right. Right. You know, basically any belief is like God is good. Right. But like, if you're, if you are in the good with God, you don't know anything different. And right. so like, there's a lot of, a lot of belief systems that are like, well, there has to be bad things happening so that we can understand what we actually want versus right. what we don't, right. you know? Cause if your life is perfect, you don't understand why everyone's complaining about things. And you have no empathy. And you destroy you completely. <laughs> And you learn from those things and then you can relate more to other people and you can like learn what causes the good things and what causes the bad things. And how do I keep, you know, like locus con- of control? How do I make the decisions that go more towards what I want and yep. away from what I don't want?
1: Yeah. And with that worldview, you can just say when when you get a hard blow and something just totally unfair happens to you, you can respond. But I, and I'm not great at this, but I do try to respond with a feeling of expectation, like, okay, this is miserable, this is yeah. a disaster, and this is unfair, but I, I can't wait. I can't what? wait to see what good God will bring out of it, what and a lot of times do? that is like it's a lie, and it is through gritted teeth, and that is not <laughs> what I am feeling, but but it is like a fake it till you make it. Like I've I've lied to myself enough, like I'm just excited to see what good God brings out of this, that I actually have have kind of started to believe it. And I can really it, it really helps the way I respond to to the unfair blows that life will throw your way.
0: Yeah. And uh it it and again, just getting back to just the the self-efficacy and the empowerment of it. Like it's I, I fully understand, especially this year, why it feels like the world knocked you on your butt. You oh, know, if God. you are one of those people who has just been like demolished this past year, I get it. Yep.
1: Me too. <laughs> you oh know? man. I oh, get man. it.
0: But you know, there's still there's still the light at the end of the tunnel. Like if nothing else, like you always have to just know like there's clearly more good than bad, otherwise you would be dead, quite right. honestly. <laughs> like, right. 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 <laughs> it's uh there's there's always hope and um especially in Texas right now, like it's so nice to be in There's Austin. not hope if you're
1: in Canada. Yeah, But, sorry, you know, but if you're in Texas, if you're in there Texas, is. Florida,
0: lots of hope. Yeah, we, we won't we won't let you in yeah. if you're not already here. But yeah. Uh, right, yeah, good that'd luck. Be a, Build the wall. Yeah, you know, but, yeah, But not not for Mexico, <laughs> but like build the wall to the for north, the, to the east, mostly and the west, Oklahoma. west. Right? Maybe the Mexicans will
1: help us build the wall <laughs> to keep out the New Yorkers.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, you aren't as in like the open mic comedy ghetto as I am. So I want to know like how are you perceiving all of the influx of people to Austin? Like
1: yeah, I I perceive that everyone in Austin is from LA. Is that <laughs> that is my current perception. What I mean when I meet someone in the comedy world, I just assume they're from LA. It, yeah. it would never occur to me that they might be from another maybe New York. But yeah. I it, when I meet people that I haven't met before, it, I I never assume they're from Austin. Right. I mean I just don't meet it, and yeah. it's interesting that there's been, you know, I, I know of or know plenty of comedians pre-COVID. There is a big divide of the what's yeah. ghettoized. You know, it's like there's the old Austin comedy ghetto. Yeah. And then there's the, I don't know that the L.A. scene. The, the L.A. scene isn't it's a, ghetto a ghetto. Yet. Yeah, it's not a ghetto, it's not a ghetto. It's not a ghetto.
0: Because uh, uh, Reed and I talk about this a lot, too, just when we're hanging out and stuff. Uh, we Like, it's so shaken up right now. Like, because there's the old Austin comedy scene ghetto and then there's all of the new people, largely from L.A., but... Especially like in the in the not yet famous but still very funny comedians yes. group, there's people coming yes. from a lot of towns that you wouldn't expect that still have good scenes like mm. Nashville, Seattle, Tacoma. There are some people from New York coming in. We're getting some like Tacoma. Wait a minute, I'm, sorry, I'm like
1: Nashville. Yes, tracking with you. Seattle, yet yeah. Tacoma. Tacoma has, a, has, has a scene?
0: great people. Well, I don't. Like, I, I didn't think that they're all horrible human no, beings. No, but no, they no like a, great they comedy. comedy. Yeah, really?
1: yeah.
0: Like some of the right. funniest people I know are from there.
1: Tacoma tour coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> show up by. T-
0: but, um, but yeah. And then you get, like in Florida, whatever, right? Like middle, middle America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I almost said the Middle East. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> right. maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. I accidentally called it. Not accidentally. I jokingly called Indiana the Middle East yesterday. And nice. so <laughs> Good. that's where that Good. came from. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Cause like that right now, like the only click, other than like the people that were in Austin pre-COVID, is just everyone else, right? And so it's like not a click yet. Yes, everyone's and still I figuring each other out. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. Yes, because I so it there's moving, no boundaries. Yeah, moving around
1: a lot as as a as as a kid. I mean, we just moved all the time, and I'm an only child, and so I have spent my entire life being on the outside of clicks. I'm always on the outside. I'm never part of the in crowd. Yeah, and I love it when I go to the comedy scene now. That like you said, there's not exactly a click, like everyone kind of feels like well I haven't quite found my yeah. group yet and I'm like oh finally you know it's not exactly that I'm part of a clique but at least I'm not
0: excluded from one right. this is amazing
1: this is so refreshing <laughs> you're like but, I'm, I'm i used love used this yeah. this is great this
0: is fantastic yeah it's funny I think Austin's the only town that you can be from but like when you meet someone there it's just like oh so where did you move here from it's right, not even right. like oh it's are never, you from
1: here right for sure you're not from here
0: <laughs> yeah for sure you are yeah. not if you're at a comedy club in Austin you are not from yeah, here yeah easiest yet. way to blow someone's mind is tell them that you grew up in Round Rock, Texas, right. or currently live in Round Rock, Texas. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what? No,
1: no way. What? Yeah. And when people meet me, they say, "Where are you in from?" Like they, Where it, it never from? occurs to them. How long, are you, right. How long are you in town? That's another common one.
0: How yeah. long are you in? T- I live here. Right. Right, I grew forever. up here. Right. Yeah. I've long been time. here forever. Yeah, right. I'm here all, I'm here all, all, of, night, my, all, all of my all of my days. Yeah, yeah. I have been here. Yeah. Yeah. That was I had someone ask me like day, oh, how long are you in town? And I'm like, uh, for the foreseeable forever. Yes. Like it's my whole family's here. Yeah.
1: And so I I it, I know that there's probably a temptation among Austin Comics, among the people who were, you know, they they did a lot of hard work in yeah. the scene pre-COVID. And I know that there's a, I, I actually have not had this confirmed because I'm not that deep in the scene, but I would imagine <laughs> that maybe there are some feelings of like, wow, all these people are coming in from LA, yeah. taking our spots. We're not getting booked. And, yeah. Um, but I, you really have to, I, I've been in enough industries, you know, just, I, I worked in tech, like when the crashes happened and all that, I, I've been in enough industries and I've seen enough upheaval to know the best thing to do is you have to you really do have to respond with curiosity. Yeah, I know it's hard, and don't assume that people are trying to reject you. If that yeah. person didn't book you on the show, if they didn't reply to your text, I don't know. Maybe they have an agenda against you. Maybe, but maybe they're just busy. Maybe they think you're great. Sometimes and I think just we too. Cho- yeah, sometimes we default, and I do this. I'm very bad about this. I take it very personally. If people don't reply to my text or reply yeah. to my email or I thought I was going to get booked and I don't get booked, I tend to take that very hard. And nine times out of 10, I find out later it was nothing personal. They think I'm great. They're happy to work with me. They just got busy. Yeah. And so I would say to people who feel kind of left out, just don't take it personally and yeah. just keep showing up and be positive and support other people. And you'll, you'll be amazed at what will happen.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting looking at it from being really in both of the scenes like um and i don't talk about it a lot because i'm just i still i still feel very observational with it like i consider myself friends with kind of everyone and like i i hope i'm perceived that way too like i just I think try to, you are yeah. i just try to be nice to everyone yeah. and like because that's all i think we should do is like put good out you get good yeah. back and it's not even from a selfish perspective it's just like no things are way easier when we're happy yeah right and right. um it's interesting because there is a level of that with the local scene, but there's also a level of there were a couple bad articles that came out when comedy first started coming back, um, interviewing a lot of the newer club owners that were not here pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh it, you know, pre-COVID, Austin had a thriving local scene. We had several local improv theaters that would always put on stand-up. We had a ton of brewery shows, bar shows. Well, our open mics would get like 90 people to show up. They were straight up shows. Yeah. yeah. So many good open mics, especially the Cap City one. And then we had Cap City Comedy Club. But, you know, I think a lot of the misperception and and anger first started when some of these articles came out saying that there wasn't much of a scene pre-COVID. There was. It's just very different. Because now... Like, we had a lot of stage time, especially for the number of comics we had. Like, you could get booked a lot here, right, you right. know? Um, th- if you were a comic and you were getting booked a lot, you were very good. Like, it, it, it fostered really good comedy and people legitimately got very funny. But there was a certain point where you either kind of needed to make the decision of, like, I just want to stay here and be kind of a local legend here or I want to move to get a writing or a stand up job or a TV show or whatever in LA or New York. And so many people, they had to and leave. And so many people had, yeah. to, so many great people had right. to leave. So many great people stayed too and decided that they just wanted to foster their shows here. And that's, that's great. And now it's, and that's how a lot of cities in America are, by the way, a lot of people don't realize that you probably have a pretty thriving comedy scene if you're any sort of remotely close to Austin sized city. Austin yeah. only has a million people in the city. And and I I freaking went to Bozeman, Montana and found an open mic. You're kidding. I, I was there for five days. They have a once-a-month Wednesday open mic in downtown Bozeman, Montana. And I was there that I week will fly and I to went Boseman to go. To that mic. that's I went. really cool. It was beautiful Bozeman's beautiful, by the way. But there's comedy almost everywhere. Yeah. And most cities that are even remotely close to Austin size have a pretty good scene. Even if you have one comedy club like we did. But now the shift has happened to where we have at least five clubs, probably are going to have more by the end of the year. And it's this whole new thing where like, okay, now actually the paying industry for club work is here. Like there's five paying clubs here. Holy crap. Like we can actually, there's a lot more, <clears throat> a lot more paid club time here than we ever had the opportunity with, with just one club. And Cap City's coming back, by the way. It's not like they got kicked out. You know, they had some struggles with COVID, but they're coming back. So it's like, you know, the the old favorite club is coming back. We have all these new ones. And then we have LA influencers who, yeah, agree or disagree with them. Like, they know how to make it in comedy. And quite honestly, any time I would go out to LA, I would, I would be around these cats. They've always been nice to me. I've never had a bad experience with any of them. Yeah. And so it's I think it's just the misperception of Hollywood and probably skewed, quite honestly, by acting a little bit. Because yeah. to me, coming from an acting world, like I grew up acting. I went to college for acting a lot of my friends are still trying to get into the film industry in LA. And it's like such a game and such a ladder and such a hustle to like show up to these auditions year after year in front of the same people. And there's just so much gatekeeping in in acting that I was floored the first time I went to the comedy store. And I think like, who was it? Sarah Silverman was in the hallway with me and I was like,
1: Whoa. Yeah. You're like, what?
0: Yeah, what? Yeah. I was like, they just let her stand out here. And then as I was walking around, I was like, oh, there's there's Joe. Oh, there's Whitney. Come. Oh, oh, there's Brian Red. Like everyone's just walking around and like doing their bullshit and talking to each other, waiting to get their 10 minute spot on the sh- on the store. And that was when I was just completely mind blown. I was like, wow, there might be gatekeepers in this industry, but they are completely different than at least any other showbiz that I know of. And now that they don't have to compete with Hollywood by moving here, they're just looking for comedians. Right. And I will say
1: that the gatekeepers I've met who have come to Austin from other cities and they're opening clubs and they're doing shows, some of the most sincere comedy fans I have ever met. And everyone should embrace that. like how, Because there are plenty of people in the world who think comedy is trashy. They don't like comedy. They, They don't support it. So how cool that we have people who are taking personal risk, oftentimes risking their personal finances to say... I'd like to elevate the Austin comedy scene. It was great before. I have some new ideas yeah. about how we can maybe improve it. That is something to be embraced. I mean, honestly. Not to be
0: scared of. You're friends with Brandon too. Let's yeah. just say it. Okay. Let's go ahead and name Brandon. Let's just say yeah. it, Brandon Lewin with Big Laugh. We're yeah. on his network. Damn, yep. you know? Yeah, like yeah. he
1: One of the kindest people is so nice. I've ever worked with in
0: any industry. Y'all's kids have play dates. Yeah, that's sometimes. right. I did, yeah, I mean, he did a play date at my house. It was yeah. awesome. But like he's just. You know, when I meet someone like Brandon and and I'm, I'm good friends with this guy now. He's great. Like it is to me so rare to meet someone who both loves comedy as much as he does and has zero desire to do it themselves Yeah, because he literally built a company around his love for comedy and wanting to help comedians thrive and wanting to give more paying stage time and connect them with their fans and do all of the things that comedians want, but are honestly usually kind of bad at, or we just don't want to do it ourselves and, and producing and, and booking and doing all these shows is so much work. And he just does it because he loves it. And, and yeah, he's building a company from it. But why wouldn't you? If you have such a niche skill set of loving comedy, knowing what good comedy is, and then absolutely not wanting to do it, that is such a hard for person to find.
1: <laughs> and I will say, how often, think about this. I encourage everyone listening to think about this. How often do we project our own self-sabotage onto gatekeepers. Oh, yeah. I have done this with literary agents, with bosses in the tech world, with people in comedy. If there's a gatekeeper, I get this whole narrative. I mean, it is like something like a Norse epic. Yeah. The narrative of (laughs) of how they want to destroy me and then then they want, they think I'm trash and they think my work is garbage. These people have never heard of me. But I have a whole narrative of like, they're stonewalling me from the industry. And really, this is all in my head. All of this, this whole movie, this whole four hour saga is taking place entirely in my own mind and meanwhile this gatekeeper is like a really nice person who yeah. just wants to do good things and that, and so I think people like Brandon people can get ideas about them that he's trying to he, he didn't book me on this one show and they're yeah for, he is the kindest most generous person who is like he is really trying to make the comedy industry better for all of us yeah and and the, and I, I use him as an example but this is really true of the vast majority of successful gatekeepers, you know, of course, there's always some random jerk, but like right. if people get to Brandon's level, to like the people I work with at UTA, their level. Rebecca if you Creek, get to their yeah. level, it's not like you're you're usually a pretty good person yeah. and good at what you do and you love the industry you're in. Like yeah. Rebecca Brandon, my UTA, Lucy, agent, they don't have to Lucy put Lucy Zanies. from Zanies, love Lucy. They don't have to put up with any of this. They could go have a normal job, like yeah. where they're dealing with sane people. They do it because they love it. And like, stop projecting your own self sabotage narratives yeah. onto these people.
0: And and there's something to be said too about uh, kind of what we touched on earlier about just being willing to meet them. Yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah. there's, you know, there's a, there, there, and I'm running into this just with my small local show. People are hitting me up to do it. And I'm like, I can put you on in October. Like already I'm, I don't, I, you know, and so you you have to remember like there is no way to manage all the people that these guys are getting hit up with. And on top of that, like if they are booking headliners or something, oftentimes those headliners already bring their own openers or hosts or features or whatever. So there's that, but it's just like, it's taking the time to just introduce yourself and be a cool person. Right. And, and, you know, if they give you a shot crush it on stage, you know, just do it. But like, I mean, even last night we were hanging out at Creek and, and Brandon like met this new comedian and it was the coolest thing for me to watch because, uh, the guy had just moved here from Virginia or something. And he was super nice. He was talking with all of us, but like no one knew who he was really. And Brandon also didn't know. And Brandon's like, Hey man, what's your name? How, How long you been in Austin? How long you been doing comedy? Where'd you start? Like getting to know him. We don't know who this guy is, but like he just wanted to know because he's like, oh, it's a new person. This guy's being chill. We're hanging out. I want to yep. know his story. Let's go. And it's just it's just a matter of being being a cool person and then being willing to talk with them. Yep. As a person. And when you
1: switch to like the the religious term for this would be like people talk about having a service mentality. Yeah. Where you're to serve. I have gotten myself out of so many ego driven spirals <laughs> by saying, look. I just want to serve. Like, I I think that I have some comedy that can just make people feel a little better about their lives. Like, just give them a laugh, like a dumb laugh about some dumb joke I right. made. Make their day a little better. And and you know what? But if, if it's, and again, I get religious here, but I'm like, if it's God's plan, that let's say my stage time, I get taken off the show and someone else gets put on, you know what? Maybe there's someone in that audience who is on the brink of suicide. And the comic that replaces me is exactly who they needed to hear. And it, it, this is easier said than done, but- when you work on it and say, "I really have a service mentality," so let's say you meet a gatekeeper and say, "Oh, you represent that comic. You know what? I'm there. There. Uh, I saw that their show isn't sold out in my hometown. I'll I'll get the word out among my friends. Tell some people to show up." So it's not. There's nothing in that for you. You're, yeah. You just have a service mentality. It will bring you so much peace, but then it will open a lot of doors. Because the people who do get hit up all the time are like, wow, that person was really cool. They just, they just did me a solid and like, they didn't ask for anything in return and they're, they're helping what I'm doing. That can open a lot of doors.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I appreciate that too. Like that's actually something that they teach you like in sales or marketing as well is like so many people and it's not to be salesy. Like I know yeah. comedians are like at sales, but like you got, you got to know a little bit of this stuff quite honestly. Cause networking is very similar to marketing, especially you're yep. marketing yourself essentially. True. And it's not inauthentic. You're still being yourself, but you need to, you need to know how to socialize. Yeah, and you like, believe
1: you have something to share. You need to know the delivery mechanism for yeah. getting it to the people and you, you also, want to share it with.
0: And you also need to be able to listen to others first before you just start being like, here's what I have to offer. Yeah. Like yeah, buy, yeah. buy my 30 day program. But like, it's it, it's something that um a lot of copywriters make mistakes on. It's a uh, it's like how how great our product is yeah. and bragging on our product versus versus hey problem we've identified that you have this and did you know that this one trick can fix it so you've already got them like invested in how it's helping them. And you're totally ignoring the fact that yeah, I'm gonna make money on this, (laughs) right, right. Which which might feel sleazy, but like there's a very authentic way to do that. Like it's it's just it's not even like oh, I'm I'm trying to meet you because I want an opportunity from you. It's like well, yeah, maybe I could get opportunities from you, but also we should just connect as people because we're in the same industry. Yep, and. have yeah. a relationship
1: and and it feels good. Like there have been people that I, you know, I give them a shout out. Actually, my comedy special came out in November and okay. I was actually a little petty about this, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there were some people that I actually, honestly, they'd been weird to me in the past, but I do believe in their work. So I had promoted their stuff. I'd gone on Instagram stories. Hey, you need to follow this person, check out what they're doing and they never recipro- reciprocated and they never promoted my special and okay i do know ex- i could list them all by name <laughs> right now i have half of them muted but but i do not regret giving them a shout out and to be yeah. honest i do it again because i actually as as petty as i am about them not reciprocating i and i i even did this you know a few months ago There's someone that they, they they've done nothing for me. And even when asked, and I have done so much for them, but I promoted their stuff again because I really do believe in it. I think it's making the world a better place. And you just, you just have peace. You know, you can be like, whether I'm successful or unsuccessful, whether I make the money I'm hoping to make or not, I know that I am out there genuinely trying to help and I am doing the right thing. And I can look myself in the mirror in the morning and just have that peace of yeah. knowing my heart is in the right place here.
0: Yeah, totally. And that's the most important thing too, yeah. is just being okay, okay, and even happy. God forbid, God, yeah, happy I'm with probably. yourself. Oh. I, I don't know. If
1: we, I don't know if our comedy would be good if we all um, like, got happy and <laughs> confident.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, Rocky made a good point with this too. Like, um, so he was talking about how he, The Rock, followed him on Instagram. What?
1: Yeah. Wait, well, you buried the lead. I didn't know I'm on the, the podcast. The, the, with someone who's followed by the Rock.
0: His what name even is Rocky, is too. Isn't that great? Oh. Uh, but oh. he he found out he was followed by the Rock, and then he like posted a thank you video on his Instagram. He went, thank you, the yeah. Rock. The Rock reposted it, oh. and Rocky was what? like, "The Rock was what rock, is his life, dude?" Rocky was like, "I got like 10,000 followers in one day, like." Da-da-da. And okay,
1: I gotta go make my rock video. I'm sorry, bye, <laughs> Allison. Have fun dropping the podcast. Out this, episode.
0: this relates, what? I promise. So, um, so he was he was talking about this, and he was like, he was like, I can't help the rock with anything. He's right. like, the rock is the most followed man in the on the planet. Right. Like, I I can't do shit for this guy. He's like, but he did me a solid, and it was nothing to him. It probably took him fifteen seconds right. to hit the repost and right. publish. And he was like – and he was describing it as kind of a chain like that where it's a pay-it-forward thing. And yeah, he's like, yeah, right. He's like, you know, like the – he was talking about the guy that he's getting to open up for him this weekend. He goes, that guy went on after the headliner show on Tuesday at Vulcan at like midnight, and he was performing for the last six drunk people and just because he wanted to. And he's like, I saw him, and I was like, that guy's going to be good. Get him to open for me. Yep. And he, Zach and goes, if Bogus. Zach Bogus. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. That we didn't drop too, him. We if didn't if drop he'd him he'd been too time.
1: prideful, you know, like, well, this – Look at this crap spot I got. I'm just gonna get drunk, phone this in, like yeah. not even care. Well, that now he wouldn't have that opportunity. Bogus never
0: phones it in. Like Zach Bogus. Oh is, I just
1: yeah, I keep hearing his name actually. Yeah. Zach Bogus. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think
0: I I think I follow him. You might yeah, recognize yeah. him if you yeah, saw him. He's okay. at Vulcan all the time. He works okay. at the door there sometimes now. But That's what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, super cool guy. But um, but yeah, Rocky was talking about, he's like. He's like, you know, Zach, like, doesn't have as many followers as me. So, like, it's probably not going to be reciprocated in the same way. But, like, when Zach in a few years is doing well, he's probably going to do the same thing for someone right. else. And, like, and, you know, maybe, like, uh, I know Chappelle was talking about this on Rogan's podcast even. He's like, last time I saw Punky Johnson, she was barbacking at the comedy store. And the next time I saw her after that, she was getting ready for SNL. Like, she wow. was literally on set for SNL. So you never know. Like Yeah, just,
1: like, putting goodness out into the world. And just having a service mentality. Yeah. And I uh, see, so, uh, you know, I am the pettiest, most <laughs> cynical person. So That's that, how I get am along. not, right? Yeah. I'm, the, I am not Pollyanna about this. No, like my list of my enemies is like, I'm like Rain Man. I can, th- this girl, Allison, let me just tell you, at my fifth birthday party, she blew out my candles. Someone, and it was at a McDonald's, and someone was like, you'll forget this. You're fine. It's, you're fine. You'll, I have not that. I still, yeah. Oh well, anyway, okay, I so like to- that is my my list of enemies in my mind is encyclopedic. I am the rain man of people who have slighted me. However,
0: I just want however, this woman. If she sees this episode, yeah, to contact that's us. Right. I wish
1: I remember. I'll look up her name. I'll find <laughs> see that because I moved around a lot, so I, I don't remember who she is. I'll find. I'll do that. Like you know, the Zoom dot info, whatever that always comes up. The people search. I'll, I'll hire a private investigator and find out who that is, so that I can hate her by name. So, uh, so I, I think I've now properly established I, I am not some Pollyanna person who this comes naturally to, but you can combat that nature. You can. I've been reading these books. You talk about you can accept your 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 inappropriate or your negative feelings. So the negative feelings are there. Yeah. Like, oh, I despise that woman. I'm we're now enemies, and I'll take her down. And I can say, oh, th- okay. Well, that's a feeling that came to me. And is that who I am? Is that mm. the direction I want my life to go? No, because that you know just causes drama. Like we said, it it takes you out of your internal locus of yeah. control to be all up. You know, really busy hating other people. So. I can I can acknowledge that that is my nature and I can say, okay, but I'm going to reject that and I'm not going to perseverate on that and I'm going to get back into the mentality. Like, let's say I'm going to a show and there's someone who's going to be there that was rude to me last time I saw them. I, I, I'll accept that. Okay, I feel that. I feel like I don't like this person, but I'm going to accept. I don't have full information. Maybe they didn't mean to be rude. Maybe yeah. they were just having a hard day and I'm going to let it go and I'm going to show up to the show. With a service mentality. How can I build up the other comedians? How can I build up the audience? Even if my set doesn't do as well as I want, I can be a great presence to the other comedians. Tell them, hey, man, that joke is killer. You need to do that more often. And it gives you so much peace when yeah. you can get into that in a service mentality.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a there's something really to be said about forgiveness, too, because yeah. Yeah. which is a similar thing. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe it's a little different because I guess some people could probably just drop the anger and be like, yeah. I don't forgive them, but fuck it. I'm not yeah, going to listen yeah, right, to them right. anymore. Right, right. But like, the you know, and this kind of comes from a religious thing, too, but it's like forgiveness is a gift for you, like yes. for yourself. Yes. Because um, what? I I heard this quote the other day, and it's like uh, I think I know je- it. it's like a anger or jealousy or there's the only thing that poisons its own container, right? Yes, the it, only that, well, that- a
1: similar thing on that is unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die,
0: which is so
1: that's exactly how it feels. Yeah, it's like I have I'm all stirred up. I'm not I'm not writing comedy. I'm not moving forward in my life because right. I'm all stirred up about what this person did to me. When if I could just let it go, and forgiveness doesn't mean you say it's okay. It's yeah. just I'm just I am going to put the internal locus of control, you know, get it back within me, and just not perseverate on on these negative it's feelings. Not worth the energy. Yeah, it's like now I am moving forward in my life. But yeah, when you when you hold on to that, it really is like drinking poison and expecting that person who's wronged you to die. It right. Do, it just doesn't get
0: you anywhere. Yeah, I like that metaphor a lot better. That's that's yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Um. Wow. This is, a, we've covered a lot.
1: We have. And, and by the way, I wanted to say something earlier on the, when we were talking about the Austin comics yeah. and the new LA people who are in here. I, I feel like one perspective I can bring, because I've been in multiple different industries, I've been mm-hmm. in high tech and in the publishing world and in the radio world and then now this world. And all of those industries, I was there when they went through tectonic changes. Yeah, like, you do for the crash. When yeah, you're uh, right. Uh, th- yeah. Why am I always there? I You're right. I'm always <laughs> there for every time. Maybe it's me. I mean, I am the common denominator here. Get out like, of Austin. It's like when I first started, when I when I was writing my first book, this had evened out by the time it was published, but that's when Kindle really first exploded. Oh, and yeah. so a lot of people were like, well, what does this mean? Is writing even still a thing? What do book deals mean? And, and I, I cannot recommend to comics strongly enough, especially that Our industry is ever-changing now, especially post-COVID. We're still working it out. A lot of cities are are like our city. It's just a different scene. It's a different world. One of the best life skills you can possibly have is, one, what we just said, service mentality, forgiveness, like internal locus of control, that. that. But the second one is embrace the change. Learn Mm. to love change. You know, if, you, if you're an Austin comic and you woke up one day and this is not the same city and this is not the same comedy scene and there are all these new faces and some of them are not returning your texts and you're not getting booked on the shows you want, find what is positive about the change and embrace it. Because I've seen this in radio, I've seen it in publishing, and I've seen it in tech. The people who resist change and who see it as a bad thing they are not around anymore. I knew plenty of people who had tech startups back in like 2003, 2004, 2005, that now they're, they're, they are not working in tech anymore because they resisted change. They did, they would complain about, well, well, I don't want social media to be a thing because we had a web-based product. Well, right. now they're not around anymore.
0: Did you know social media can aid your web-based product, right. sir? It, like, exactly. it's actually it, probably a good thing. And
1: I was around. I saw that, like, when, when Instagram first took off, when Facebook first t- took off. I saw this, and I saw people resist it, and they dragged their heels, and, but then the people who said, huh, well, okay, well, this, wow, this changes our business model. This is a different thing, but wow, let's look at this. There are a lot of advantages that come yeah. with it. There are all these new ways to connect with people. This is cool. They are millionaires. Yeah. And the people who were like, I don't, I don't like this, Is this newfangled, I don't like this one bit. They're, they're, they're. Uh, a lot of them have careers they're not happy with. Yeah. So I and I very much see this in comedy and I felt kind of prepared by the covid apocalypse in comedy because of what I've seen in um, especially in tech, but it also in publishing and radio is um, you you will you will be so much more at peace with your career if you can start to see change as a good thing. And ride the wave like a surfer, you know, rather than resisting the wave and right. let it knock knock you over and you're like <laughs> drowning on the beach. Get a surfboard and ride it. Have fun yeah. with it. Have fun with the change.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Like, there's no reason why all of the or a lot of the most famous comedians in the world moving here is going to be a bad thing. Right. Like, there's just not. Right. You probably right. stayed in Austin because you loved it here. 90% of the stuff you love about the town is still here. There's right. just probably now a bigger population. Now it's just population. on the map, and right? Yeah. The bigger population is probably the only real huge change. Um And yeah, the the riding the wave is what I noticed even with COVID. The companies that right. were able to pivot and figure out online options or whatever, like, they're the ones that thrived through right. COVID. And then everyone else has, like, kind of been floundering. And now they're finally picking back up. But it's...
1: Well, I, I saw it in my own career that when, uh, you know, I... Quit my freaking job uh, <laughs> to do a comedy tour. And when it became very clear that that was not going to happen, obviously, I, I did have a, some time of despair like, wow, this is, things are going to be shut down longer than I thought. This is terrifying. I was really, really bummed about it. And then I started, I remembered that from the tech world. I was like, all right, I, how do I ride this wave? So I started doing social media sketches. And they started going viral, and it was this whole new form of comedy that now I'm like, oh, thank God! Like I love doing this, and it it has grown my fan base enormously. We I mean, didn't like, even
0: hype you up as a TikTok star. She's oh, TikTok right. famous. Yeah, right.
1: yeah I, I I've never I never promoted TikTok to my current fan base. And I've got like, I'm I'm approaching 50,000 fans that brand new, like not, none of my current fans. Yeah, I know. And I need to be careful because I'm like, hey, like, we should do shots together. And I'm talking to a 14-year-old boy. Ah. Like, I'm still getting used to the TikTok <laughs> landscape there. Uh, but but yeah, I, w- when I remembered to ride the wave yeah. instead of resisting the wave, I have been given this gift of like, I love doing social media sketches so much that I'm almost annoyed to get back out on tour. I'm like, but when will I do my stupid sketches in front of my, like, how can I talk smack about what's going on with like the royal family or with moms or with the stimulus checks if I'm on some stupid tour? Yeah. And so it just goes to show that if I had stayed in that place of resisting the change and bemoaning the fact that I bet my entire career on touring and it was instantaneously shut down, if I had resisted that wave instead of riding it I would never have found what has turned out to be one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given in my career is this sketch thing and I I love it so much I have so much fun with it and it's something I can control I don't need an agent I'd all I need is my phone and a social media account yeah and and it's a great way to connect with my fans and so that it's that's been such a great personal lesson to me and don't resist the wave ride the wave
0: I love it Um, one final thing I think I'd like to ask you, and this is going to be super vague. So, uh, what are you excited about in general, in life, in life, career, general, anything? I am, I, I mean I'm
1: really excited to see what happens especially in the comedy world yeah. post COVID. Yeah. I you one of the things we both have in common is we thrive on risk. You know, this yeah. is this is the person who's walking through horrible neighborhoods in St. Louis alone <laughs> like we thrive on risk. We thrive on change. It doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable. Like right. I, it's it scares me. Um but I like being scared. Yeah. And like I I've often thought my my dad was a halo high altitude low opening Uh, instructor in special forces. Basically, in special forces during the Vietnam era, he trained other guys to jump out of planes at very high altitude at night into a jungle in enemy territory. That is a very high tolerance for risk. That is a very tremendous love of risk and i really think that i've i've inherited that and it just yeah. plays out like my version of jumping out of an airplane at night is like going up at the vulcan where i'm like <laughs> the only female i keep my comedy clean because that you know i have a suburban audience and that's my version of <laughs> of jumping out of a plane at night and um and so i i've really it has taken me years to get here but i've learned to love risk and uncertainty. It makes life fun mm-hmm. and life is boring when everything is the same and it's stay- even if you're like making money and being successful, it's boring. And yep. so I like it when life is interesting and being in the comedy scene in Austin, Texas, in, in the, you know, in post COVID, it is terrifying. Insane. It is, it's nothing but uncertainty It's we're all walking on uneven ground, yeah, but that is what makes life fun, and that is what I'm really excited about and looking forward to just seeing how this all shakes out.
0: Oh, me too. Um, well, is there anywhere that you'd like people to follow you? Anything you want them to check out?
1: Yeah, uh, Facebook is dead to me because they keep not letting me post sketches. So let's pretend I do not have a Facebook account. Um, if you're 14, you're welcome to follow me on TikTok with my other 14 year old fans. You know, I feel like, um, you know, if I do. Like if I if I do some shows at like some roller skating rinks, I think <laughs> I think the TikTok fans are going to show up big. Uh, my big place though is Instagram. That's that's my favorite app. Uh, I am I am always on Instagram stories, and truly. and that's that's truly always, and that's where I do my sketches and things like that. So I am Jennifer full wyler on instagram i realize that you cannot spell full wyler but if you can take your best guest um your best guess I, I am i'm verified so i she have is that verified. I'm verified i will show you. and she up. has
0: this bright red hair in her profile yeah. picture yeah i did i really colorized that you that know, looks to make so it good she's got like a blue background <laughs> yeah. bright red hair it's I'd, gorgeous I, I i well you can imagine
1: i did a spreadsheet and i <laughs> said it. i literally did i had a spreadsheet <laughs> which i Instagram. I did. I did. And the, and I chose the Instagram icon that based on that I I ran a regression on some data and the data <laughs> pointed to kind of a teal blue background with some gradi- a gradient. I'm not kidding. We didn't and, even and we didn't even eyes.
0: discuss this is how you also figured out the best cadence of like hour long like you had like yeah. a spreadsheet of how long to go between I can, laughs.
1: Yeah, my Amazon like, my Amazon special is that's how that's another reason I got my hour so quickly. I put it in a spreadsheet I categorized the laughs on a scale of one to five and then I did a a conditional formatting where it automatically made it red, yellow, like white or gray depending on the laugh level and then also conditional formatting on the time in between laughs so that I could have a visual when I would zoom out on the spreadsheet, it was like, wow, we've got a lot of gray right there. Like I am am really losing the audiences so I need to do something about that. That's how you get an hour of material when you have six homeschooled kids in a two-hour daily live national radio show <laughs> in a matter of months. you do It's spreadsheets, guys. It's, spreadsheets. So see what you think of my Instagram icon. The spreadsheet told me that <laughs> that, that was the right Instagram icon yeah. to do. Yeah, and then your special's on Amazon. It is, yeah, the Naughty Corner. The Naughty and, Corner Tour. And if tour. you just search for... No, not tour, but... Oh, well. Yeah, if you just search Naughty Corner, you will be surprised at the variety of products that yeah. Amazon has for sale. So the I didn't know Naughty they Corner. Sold, and yeah, you can imagine my fans my little <laughs> suburban you know faith but church going fans like putting naughty corner into amazon that was by
0: fun. the way that my emceeing that was the joke that killed the most i would get so mad every single night i would just be like hey by the way we're using hashtag naughty corner tour don't use hashtag naughty corner because you yeah. don't know what you're gonna find on there a yeah. ah!
1: lot, lot of tension around <laughs> oh that my
0: one. god but, oh, that wasn't already in my search history yeah right <laughs> dang, dang. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome. I've loved having you on the show today. This Thank is you so, so much. Fun. You're great at
1: this, Allison. Thank you. You are really good at this. Thank I'm you. excited. I, I'm i going to be, I'm a new listener. Of the You're podcast. definitely
0: going to be on again at some Fantastic point. We actually really. need to plug our, our friends over here. These uh, vitamin cocktails we were Which drinking. Which are delicious. They're so yeah, good. Yeah, we're drinking some MSW Nutrition Boost. It's a multivitamin you can feel. It's tasty. And you can use the code DETOX, D-E-T-A-L-K-S, at MSWNUTRITION.com for 15% off. But uh, I think that's a wrap for us. Follow right. Jen Jennifer Fullweiler on Instagram, Naughty Corner Tour on Amazon. All right, yeah, yeah this was fun. Appreciate Hell yeah. it. Thank you. <laughs>